This podcast was recorded during the 2023 WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the television and movies being covered here would not exist. We stand with the writers and actors and support their call for equitable and fair treatment for everyone in the industry. You can support those on strike by making a donation at entertainmentcommunityfund.org, which will go to a writer, actor, or other entertainment worker in need. You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ha! Got him! That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime and coordinates for the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey, Star Wars fans. Welcome to the Saga Continues. Another exciting episode with your host, Kyle Avery. No, it's not Kyle Avery. It's someone sexier. Yeah, it's someone (laughs) named Paul Herman. What's up, y'all? Kyle's on vacation this week, but... uh, uh, but I'm back finally after just, you know, I've been rotating between uh, Star Wars Newsnet and, uh, and this show, you know, mainly I usually have it, cor- you know, coordinated where I record with you guys our regular week and then the, then the next week. The problem is when we get all excited about Ahsoka, uh, Kyle wants to do it every week, which is uh, which is within his right, obviously. So anyway, uh, he's off today because he's on vacation. So Kyle. Happy, safe travels wherever the hell you're going, and uh, we'll see you next. Well, you guys will see him next week with Tim. But speaking of Tim, hi, hello, Paul. Yes, excellent job introducing the episode. If I must, say. that was beautiful. I mean, <laughs> I, I probably we should just like just kick Kyle out at this point. You know, I mean, this is just me, me and you. I mean, we don't need Kyle. He's just we don't need a handsome, tall man around here. We, you know, there's you know, well, you're tall enough for both of us. So you know, <laughs> so I figure, I, you know, it's it's always weird being the shortest guy in the world, and you know, between you two, and then also the fact that I'm the oldest. So it just feels very weird. Uh, anyway, so I digress. So we're uh, yeah. So what what have you been up to? in star wars besides uh this uh, little show that's been coming out i mean how can really be into anything else except absorbing everything ahsoka at this moment because that's true yeah, it's just been awesome well i mean before i mentioned it before how i wanted to do a full-blown star wars rebels rewatch before yeah ahsoka premiered which i got done just in time <laughs> for that so oh, okay. it was just great revisiting that series again because it was probably the first time i watched it all the way through since it ended because okay. I would always just watch a season when it came out on Blu-ray. We watched the entire season, but I've never done a full series rewatch yet before all in a row. And it was just great to mm-hmm. experience it like that. It just, just made me appreciate even more just what a great story and just what a great group of characters were created for that series. Yeah. Just, can I be enjoying them even more now as we're getting more new stories with them in Ahsoka? So yeah, it was just a great to revisit it. But then also, again, that's a perfect lead into this series. Well, you bring up the Rebels rewatch and, you know, I... 
I didn't really, you know, we, I, I didn't wasn't on a ton of the Ahsoka stuff with you guys before because I avoid I avoid tra- trailers for, and I'm so glad I did, by the way, which we'll get into a lot more about about that here in a minute. But you know, I I started a Rebels rewatch around the time um, my daughter's first year um, and her her uh, being one years old, right around like that time frame. I started rewatching Rebels, and I got to about season three, and I haven't really been able to like keep going with it just because i just got busy and then things got crazy you know moving and all that crap you know all the pre-move stuff just life got crazy and i but i remember watching it and just being like not forgetting how good it was we because you know you listen to us back in the day tim we loved that stuff you know we did we loved rebels and but the weird thing was that Rebels was always in the shadow of the sequel trilogy. Let's be real, mm-hmm. um, you know. And that's not the that's not its fault, but that's just the, this what happened. And Dave Filoni was just kind of doing his thing, telling great Star Wars stories. And I feel like we kind of, I feel we kind of took Dave and Rebels for granted because it came right out of, after the Clone Wars, and then you know you had the sequel trilogy, and it's just kind of like it's Dave doing Dave stuff. It's what it felt like. Even for me, I, I kind of looking back, I'm like, man, I, I kind of took it for granted. We just all expect Dave to be good. And he was. And but Rebels. Not good, but know, great in certain episodes. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no. You know, great. Yeah, totally. And like, you know, and obviously I, I, I still hold season four in the highest regard. I think that is peak Star Wars storytelling, in my opinion. I think I think the best season is still the fourth, you know, I agree. Um, I still have to just rewatching them all. It's just so. Yeah. Consistent. Yeah. It's it, it's just it's very. And it actually pushes Star Wars in a direction that we probably didn't know it was really headed mm-hmm. towards until now, you know, and, and not even, and it's easy to say now with Ahsoka, right? But I mean, it feels more, it, it just feels like it's a, almost ahead of its time, just the way it was telling its story. Does that make sense? No, I can see what you mean. Yeah, especially introducing some of like the stuff like you said especially in season four that i mean i go on and on about the world between worlds and just how <laughs> what amazing concept that is but even things like right. the loath wolves being involved yeah. in their how connected they were to the planet and the force and just stuff like that that you wouldn't necessarily think about too much until you actually see those episodes and when you watch it it's just it just blows you away and it did for me again right. as i was re-watching it i mean the Loth was are just like the best Star Wars creatures ever. <laughs> I have no problem. They're saying great. That. Yeah, they're they're great. Yeah, and and we'll get we'll get into a lot because there's actually a you know just to kind of almost almost segue, but there's a lot of that stuff that when I'm talking about is kind of we'll, we'll we'll touch a lot about in this next review of Episode Three of Ahsoka because I feel like it's more than just Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's it really is, and I'm talking about the whole series it really is planting storylines and not committing to like finish every single thing and waiting to develop things over time, but not also depending on that to develop it later. Right. Like almost like a hate to bring this up, but a green lantern, a Sinestro at the very end, like you're not doing that <laughs> yeah. kind of a thing, but like you leave, it, it feels very comic book, like very like mainstream DC Marvel co- ongoing comic book where these plot threads that someone leaves by not by accident, but this kind of never resolves them. They're then brought back and then resolved later on, which we'll, again, we'll get into more of that later, but yeah, that's where I kind of feel now is, you know, where we're at and, and, and rebels when I look back at it, it really does represent, I think what the way the future of star Wars is going to be told this is how it's going to be told is kind of through rebels because Dave Filoni is you know more even more than i think clone wars because rebels is, is very much away from george 
and it's keeping those things what George knows and loves because it's Dave, but it is kind of a little bit of a blueprint of how you you conduct yourself within the universe of Star Wars the right way. So we'll get into all more of that later. But is there anything else we need to get into before we get we, we dive into Ahsoka? Um, I guess the one thing, I mean, I guess get a little sidetracked here, but okay. we didn't talk about it on our last episode, but this is something that I know you and me are very happy about, but the Mandalorian season one and two. Coming oh out my God. Yes. The physical media. Finally. 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 Oh my God. Oh so, yeah. Good. I was just going to say, that's just like the extra special treat, I guess, to end the year on with star Wars. Cause oh, I think it's God. safe to assume that Ahsoka is going to be the last new content we get this year, as far as like TV shows, obviously. Uh, for Star Wars, but now that we get to experience the Mandalorian season one and two looking better and sounding better than they ever have before, that's going to be just an awesome oh treat to get at the end of the year. So that was, you know, and I've told you guys on this show, I told you privately on our on our text group with with Kyle that he probably Kyle just wants to strangle me over the phone. I say it so much. I've said countless times on Twitter when Disney Plus hits the floor and finds this or finds the ceiling right that floor is not the right word the ceiling once disney plus finds that ceiling that's when we're going to get the mandalorian and all these other shows on 4k and sure enough what's been happening they found their ceiling and they're like oh crap we need to make some more money let's throw this out on physical media and uh, i i to me like it also i didn't know if it, for those who don't know these are all the mandalorian 4ks are in uh steelbooks so yeah. they're not just they're not exclusive. They're they're only in steelbooks, which is fantastic. I had no idea. I'm used to them being Best Buy stuff only, Tim. So yeah, it's usually the case, and that's where I pre-ordered mine anyway. But the fact that you can get them anywhere in steelbook 4K releases that that just makes it even better. Oh god, I got I got mine on Amazon, which I'm actually very thankful for. So um, I just bought those bad boys. I'm like I'm ready to go. So yeah, I mean like there's there is. It, it, you guys, everyone knows who listens to anything that I do or on Twitter. They know that I'm a huge physical me media guy. And not just because it's like, well, physical media, but there is a superior sense to this. You know, you know, me and Kyle debated about Dolby Vision and, and Sean and on my other podcasts. You know, Dol Dol Dolby Vision is great. You know, one of the things that was funny to you'll, you'll laugh is I think I even said on the, on the, on the, uh, our text group, but I said, I was talking to Sean and Sean's like, you know, big like Dolby vision. And, mm -hmm. and it sucks because I hear that Dolby vision is not a part of these 4k releases. Right. Which yeah. I get it is a disappointment. Like I understand Dolby vision's top tier. I bought a new 85 inch TV screen, not in Dolby vision. And you know, and, and that's a deal breaker for some people like, like Chris deal breaker. Right. Um, I, I know Dolby vision is, 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 is the prime, you know, premiere, but I wanted a big screen and I didn't want to spend, you know, $40,000 on it either. So like, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll sacrifice, you know, instead of having a, a 10 out of 10 brightness, I'll have a seven out of 10 brightness. That's fine. I don't, I don't need to spend that much money for a little more brightness, you know, in color. Sorry. That's just me. Um, right. But it was funny because, you know, people, Sean will tell me, well, I, my Dolby vision in streaming looks incredible. And, and Kyle's told us that too. And I was like, that's so weird because whenever I stream, like it might, it just looks like ass. I'm just going to end this swear here, but it just looks bad a lot of times, you know? And he, I was talking to Sean about it. You know, we we're talking about all this. And he goes, yeah. He's like, where do you, where do you have your uh, router plugged in? I'm like, it's upstairs. You don't, is your TV plugged into it? I'm like, no, are you kidding me? <laughs> he's like, he laughed. Was, well, I'm like, well, I have mine plugged directly into the router. I'm like, well, no wonder your Dolby vision looks great. You're like plugged directly into the freaking router. I mean, I mean, <laughs> 
I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm assuming Kyle probably has the same thing set up. I'm just assuming that. Uh, but either way, I know Dolby Vision is 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 nicer to look at, and it's it's a good it's a good stream. But streaming still is not going to have as strong as quality as it's just it's not possible. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe in 40 years it'll happen, but even then it's going to be. I mean, well, the next media format will be <laughs> out by then, and that. Yeah, yeah. The 8K will be, or probably what the 16K by then. (laughs) Who knows? Oh God. Well, and and that's the thing too, right? I mean, like it's it doesn't matter how you consume it. If you love how you do it, that's that's totally fine. It's just for me, I I have dealt with, and my internet's better at my house is now, but I'd much rather not have to worry about a stream. Just put on a disc and have it look fantastic. Never have to worry about any you know disruptions of of internet and here's the, the the most underrated thing about physical media disc for movies is the sound yes mm. i mean dude i mean you you like sound then you definitely don't like streaming because streaming sounds crappy when i put in like a disc holy moly my place rumbles you know i put up watch it on stream and it's like yeah it's like <laughs> i have to turn up you know i have to really turn it up so i mean it's just only so much you know streaming can do, and plus you're you know if again if you're not plugged directly into your router, I mean I don't I can't I just don't have the the, the capability of doing that. My stream is inconsistent. It just is, you know. It's I don't. It's like I live in a in a in a downtown city area, and it still is not consistent. It's just reality, you know. Internet's just not going to be a consistent thing, especially if you're not plugged directly into the you know internet. So. Yeah, so it's to me, this is a beautiful thing. I hope people go and support it because I want to keep getting physical media of all these Star Wars projects, which I think you will. I think, Same, yeah. dude, good. Because know that you have, you can be able to put the live action TV shows on your shelf with all the movies and the animated stuff. It's like they can't just end it with two seasons of The Mandalorian. They're going to want everything that they put out just to have your complete Star Wars physical media collection out on display. <laughs> I mean, that's a small detail, but that's kind of the fun too of having physical media, just putting it all. Thank up there you. <laughs> yes. To, to display yes. and have your collection of the entire saga out there. Do you guys want to see my files? Look at these awesome <laughs> digital files I have right here. You know, wait, let me go on the Disney Plus timeline order. Yeah, or hold wait, on. Yeah, see, <laughs> see, I don't need. I don't even have my display. I've got my timeline order on Disney Plus. When I plug directly into my Dolby Vision, you know, it's like I, I'm sorry. I love you, Sean. You but what? But what's to yeah. say it is convenient when you want to watch. Oh, hell yeah. Are you kidding one. me? So like, it's cool that listen, they have that feature. No, no. Listen, listen. I use Disney Plus. Uh, it is a frequent thing. I use it for all kinds of stuff. But, you know, if it's if I don't have a disc of it, I'll watch it on Disney Plus. If I've got a disc of it, there's no way in hell I'm putting it on Disney Plus. And even for Rebels, like cartoons, like, no, I'm not. I'm not wasting my time. I want to look. I want pristine look even for this animation stuff. So, uh yeah. So anyway, I, super excited about that. Go out, support physical media if you if that's your, your thing because Disney is very hesitant. And yeah, I do know they're putting out quality 4Ks. I've heard the great things about the, the Guardians Volume Three, which I think you've even said too, yeah, right? That Tim? great. Mm-hmm. So I mean, is that in Dolby Vision? I don't believe it is. I have to double check, but I don't think it was when I watched it. Like if that setting didn't pop on my TV like it usually does that you're watching Adobe Vision. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe it was though. Okay. Yeah, it's it's I've heard really great things about the disc. I heard they went out of their way to make that look like an amazing disc, despite even not being on Dolby Vision. No, yeah, because look, because there are moments where like the aspect ratio feels 
the entire screen um where kind of you know how when certain things are shot at yeah. IMAX, um th that stuff looked amazing like the whole intro with uh rocket walking around nowhere that just looked like really stood out right away when you pop in the disc oh that's awesome yeah so i have that coming up soon so i mean like yeah like go out there support physical media you know because I, I do know like the cinderella i think uh 4k restoration is are getting good reviews from what i understand um you know so i think disney is 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 trying is finding the balance of like we're not gonna it, the old ways of selling ridiculous amounts of, of video cassettes is not there but there's a mark there's enough of a market for collectors to buy this stuff and it's there and you can it's you know it's 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 not you're 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 wasting away money by not tapping into that market whether or not your your business is in all digital or not so you know it's stupid to like ignore money on the table so yeah man you just got me thinking right now if, what if how great would it be if they do a complete clone wars series box set in 4k with it'll happen seven now inclu included in that that I, I, there's no let me tell you right now there's no with, with this if it's, it's how about this if i if the mando 4k stuff is going to be as successful as i think it will which i think i think we all agree it's probably going to do well and i, I think, think it is because at least at best buy it the 4k sold out pretty quickly like during yeah the morning that's that's crazy um, you know, that's crazy to me, but, and, and you can get it on Amazon. I got mine on Amazon, so you're, you're good to go. But if you want to get it, pre-order it still, but I think if the pre-orders are strong on this, this alone, they're going to be like, okay, we need to really invest in this. And the, to me, not just, you know, think of like, think of the Marvel films, like, like Avengers, like, you know, put that or not Avengers, but like affinity war and Endgame. put that, the, the IMAX ratio stuff in there. Like I, that's mm. more money I'm throwing at it. You know I mean? Like that's all there. So I think that the, especially with the Star Wars stuff, like like the Clone Wars, even Rebels, especially with Rebels, if it's you know if Ahsoka's yeah. a, a giant hit, you better believe they're going to re-release Rebels in 4K. Just make extra money, you know. I mean, like you know what? I'd throw it. I'd buy it. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'd buy it. Too, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-order first buy it. day, just like the Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. So anyway, yeah. So yeah, go check out support the 4K. Um, no, yeah, we'll save all the other stuff, I think, for the fan reaction stuff until the end of the episode. So let's dive into Ahsoka and series right now. But let's, I, I want to, before we get to episode three, I do want to give my thoughts of episode one and two and kind of talk with you a little bit about it before yes. we go into episode three. Uh, you watched a little bit of the show I did for the, the Star Wars News Net, and uh, <clears throat> you can check out my thoughts there. But I've watched it to put it in perspective, I only saw it, I think twice each at that time now i've seen it at least two more times since then <laughs> which is a big deal for me right like that's you know me tim like i i don't get out like i you know i don't i just with my with my kid it's just hard you know but i gotta tell you um ahsoka the when i first watched it i loved it but i think we've all i think uh you and other people i've talked with the respect you know everything we've all kind of agreed it seems to get better and better every time i watch it mm -hmm. and it, it's just one of those things where you know and, and i'm i've got i've gone on record saying the mandalorian is maybe the best thing of star wars since the original trilogy you know and i still think that and i don't know yet if ahsoka is on that level yet it's headed there yeah I mean, i'll be honest it's, <laughs> it's it's heading there um at the same time I, I will say this, 
it is the most feeling Star Wars thing I've gotten in the Disney era. Period. Period. Nothing feels like Star Wars more to me than Ahsoka does in those first two episodes. And there's, and I've said before, and I'm gonna, th- I'm gonna get your opinion on this too here, because it's it's everything. It's not just one thing. I think with the Mandalorian, it plays on a lot of like the influences of Star Wars in within in the Star Wars time, you know, uh, world that it feels perfectly Star Wars, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah, I you know, the whole West, there. yeah, the whole yeah. Western feel, the, you know, and everything. Um, and Favreau just toes that perfectly. Whereas Ahsoka is literal Star Wars. Everything about it is like just oozes Star Wars. And I think it all comes from, I think, the, not just the characters, but, you know, Filoni knows how to write Star Wars. He's, he's written Star Wars as probably more than George Lucas has at this point, right? Um, as, as far as, you know, if you want to put in the movies and things like that, but he's created so much. Yeah. Um, um, I would say that when you look at from everything from the aesthetic to the characters to, I think, the themes, um, the themes are heavily, like the way, uh, are heavily all there that George uses. Also, the fact that Jedi are a big a big part of it, obviously, a main part of it. And the way that Dave Filoni is orchestrating all that is all very, very George because of how he you know built the Clone Wars with George. And then you add in Kevin Kiner and his a brilliant music that I'll go ahead and say that I think Ludwig is still the best like post Williams music we've gotten period by any composer for star Wars. But Kevin Kiner might be the most, fam- it feels 100,000% star Wars and takes me into that world instantly. And it, I think people rave about it, but I still think people aren't giving it enough credit. There's so many different things that Kevin's done that he's now knows how to navigate better than anyone besides Williams. Mm-hmm. And it really shows in those first two, those two episodes where all the little trip tricks and, and everything. Cause the other thing I would say too, I, I want to mention is Dave Filoni's visual style of how he presents scenes and like in uh, action scenes and, and nods and different things like that. And how he sets the, uh, the, the shot up and everything very George. And it just felt, everything felt so in line with what George and has built before the sequel trilogy. And it just felt perfect. And I was not expecting to love it as much as I did. I knew I was going to like it a lot and I wanted to love it, but I was not prepared to love it as much and to be taken away to that galaxy far, far away as an eight year old. Again, like I have like in Mandalorian's a lot for me, but like it's even more in that world. So yeah, I just, it's brilliant, man. Like I freaking love it. Ahsoka has blown me away. And, uh, you know, I'll get a little bit. I'll get into a little bit of my some some gripes, maybe a little bit. We'll, we'll get into about anything you want to uh, respond to what, what I've said here. Well, just glad you feel that way because that's kind of how me and Kyle were feeling. Right, I, I had a feeling that first time. I mean, <laughs> again, we were. I mean, we were on that high of seeing it on the big screen with other Star Wars fans. I'm so and, jealous, dude. Yeah, I wish you could have been there with us. I know, I know. It would have been a blast. But I, I saw, uh, I saw Caleb was there, so that's uh, Caleb. He's a good dude. So I, Caleb I'm, I'm was cool awesome. It was really cool to meet him and get to yeah. experience a Star Wars TV show with him and Kyle. It just made it all awesome. that much better. But um, yeah, so obviously we're on a high from that, but at the same time, it's like, are we going to still feel that same high when we actually see the episode as it's meant to be just released on your TV? 
And yeah, and like you mentioned, it was almost like it's even better on a second viewing and a third viewing where you're just really appreciating all the detail and the nuances that um, Dave and everyone else involved with bringing the show to us has done. And just what a great job that it is not only just showcasing, again, a continuation of characters we're familiar with and um, translating them from animation to live action, which they've already proven that they've done great in the past, but and that's continuing on even more so. But just like as you were saying, the feel of it, the look of it, um, just the sound of it, like you so said with the music, just everything is just firing on all cylinders is kind of the word I've been using a lot when describing those first two episodes, seeing it, seeing them the first time and then on subsequent viewings. And I'm probably going to sound like a broken record by the end of this episode because I'll probably be saying that again about episode three i just think so far the series is just on a roll with these first three and just what makes it great too is that i think the best is still to come when yeah uh, we get kind of deep into the series i mean it kind of sucks that we're already on episode four we're i know the halfway point it's like, that's oh, what i said already. i mean we're already here for, you know i mean that's that's kind of the 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 you know the pushback you know the, you know, the, the, by, the byproducts of having you know a you know, two episode premiere, but I, you know, to me, you, you need to do that to get people invested into the story. And I think that was a smart move because, yeah. you know, yeah, it sucks to like, we're, we're busting through it pretty quickly already, but it honestly having those two episodes to watch was, I think a perfect touch because it, it sad. It, I don't think I felt more satisfied after a season or a series opener of anything in a long time where yeah, instead of being like, Oh man, I wish it was next week. Oh, we all knew we all wanted it to be next week, but it felt like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it no, just you felt satisfied with like what we got. Yeah. Yeah. Like if like a, not a conclusion to a story, but like to how you want to introduce the series and where it ended, it just felt very satisfying where it wasn't a cliffhanger type of scenario where like you're just, can't wait for the next episode because of how it ended. You just can't wait for the right. next episode because you were just so happy of what you just saw and what these first two episodes gave you on, on a story front. So it just yeah. did a perfect job of that. Cause no, yeah. if they only released the first episode, it kind of would have been on a cliffhanger with Sabine getting stabbed by the lightsaber. I mean, we as hardcore fans who've watched rebels and obviously <laughs> watch the trailers know that obviously yeah. she's not dead. So it wouldn't have been that much of a cliffhanger for most people watching it, maybe for those who aren't familiar with it, but yeah. um, so it would have been like uh, kind of like a lackluster cliffhanger, I guess, if that's how they decided to do it. But the fact that they did release the two, it just, and it, you could see why, I mean, they probably, they do this a lot for the premiere of any new TV series where to have it, a premiere or a fan screen and stuff like that but it really did felt like you were watching a movie with these two episodes where it did have like a satisfied ending like the end of the first movie that you were watching things um the first like it set the stage up um characters and like motivations and stuff were resolved by the end of it starting a new path with ahsoka and sabine getting reacquainted and becoming a, a master and apprentice again and then just um the villains getting ready for them too. So it ended on a way where like almost a movie would, where, you know, there's going to be another one. And this first chapter has everything yeah. set up and laid out so beautifully. And you're just ready for when the, they give us the next chapter. Yeah. And that's a great point. I, I think that there was enough. They gave us so much of the story that we, we just were like, okay, cool. Like we've got everything we need to go kind of going forward. Lots of fun that we get to speculate on and, and to anticipate the next week, but not feel like we were like, 
uh, you know, like, cause if you, if you were to release only like, let's say two half hour episodes, that'd be kind of disappointing. Whereas this time we got like almost pretty much a whole movie, which at this point, Tim, I'm like, why don't you just put it as one movie? You know what I'm saying? But I mean, <laughs> but like, I mean, this is my Andor argument all over again, basically, you know, mm. which, which I'll be real. I mean, I, I'm not going to put Ahsoka on the same level as, as a writing standard as Andor. Andor's are apples and grenades as far, you know, no pun intended with Andor, <laughs> but like, but that being said, um, the, the pacing of this show is, fits a lot better episodically opposed to, I think to an Andor, which felt very abrupt to, to end on every episode. It, it felt more of like, we got to end it. Okay. Uh, you know, whereas like this feels very naturally 20, you know, 45 to an hour perfectly paced. And that's the thing I would probably say is the, one of the other things I, I really enjoy is that as the rewatches have always gotten better I think it's because a lot of the pacing and the story beats are so on point yeah. that that you just don't you you revisiting them is fun. So, um, yeah, like there's this. I, I mean, obviously, we've you can listen to my other other thoughts on on the Star Wars Newsnet uh, thing. Um, I got a little bit more we'll talk about, but you know, obviously, Tim's gone on. I do want to address a couple of things. I'm curious what your your thoughts are. There's a lot of criticism on Ahsoka being a very like dreary kind of one note kind of performance by Rosario Dawson. And, you know, I, I, I haven't, I really haven't asked you this question. So I'm going to ask you it really quick after three episodes, what's your take on that? I know it's, it's a popular thing to talk about, but do you agree, disagree? Where do you stand on all this? Well, I agree as far as like, it is more of a, I think it's intentional. I'll say that where it is noticeably different than what we've known from Ahsoka in Clone Wars and Rebels. And I think people have made that. And I noticed that even too, in her first appearance in the Mandalorian, but I don't have a problem with it. Cause just where she's at in her stage of her life right now, I think it makes sense where her personality would be different at this point, because I mean, even before we knew the story in the series where just everything she's been through, um, through, walking away from the Jedi order, finding out um, her master, her brother was turned out to be a Sith Lord in Darth Vader and confronting it, confronting him. And then going what she went through on Malachor and we're still don't know how she got off and um, got out of that temple and got off the planet. But then I think that's enough to even change someone and to kind of have their personality be kind of more stoic and maybe one note, but then you throw in two where she tried to take on her own Padawan and she failed in that too. I mean, she can kind of be looking at it where she failed as herself as a Padawan and then failed as a teacher too. So kind of like at both ends of the, of the spectrum of a Jedi, um, she wasn't able to cut it in that regards. And so that could change who she is big time as uh, as a person. And that's kind of how wow. I feel this yeah. is going to go. And again, we're going into that whole thing as far as Dave teasing it, especially at the end of Rebels was her transformation being similar to Gandalf and Gandalf the white. And I th still think we're leading towards that, even though that sequence in rebels is now changed as for what we saw in Ahsoka. But that's still, I think the end game for the character. Um, I'm not, not going to say when she becomes that, she, that's it for the character. We won't see again or she dies, but just like her journey that Dave has set out is going to be to become that Gandalf the white type character. And I think we're going to see that evolution even more so in the series, but um, we can see her, personality even changing in this episode yeah she was a lot i'd agree more with that 
upbeat and um, kind of just having, I don't want to say more fun, but I mean, just like some more playful banter with Sabine. She smiled a lot more than she did in the first two episodes. So I think we're already seeing that change in her now that um, her and Sabine are back together as a master and apprentice. So I do agree that um, I understand where some people could say it's like kind of one note and it's not the Ahsoka we're familiar with, but I never had a problem with that because I always felt it was intentional um, for Dave to have her be this way during this point of her life, especially after everything that she's been through and her um, failing Sabine as a master, it just adds another layer to that. So yeah, I'm totally okay with that's the direction that they're going with for with her so far in the series. That's, you know, you bring up some great points that I didn't even think about. And, you know, God, see, we started talking about this, this stuff and I, 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 the interesting thing about the whole animation, you know, and into like what's canon and I, I feel like we're getting so much more clarity of how they're handling the different mediums. And, and I, and it feels like I'm just going to toot my own, own horn here, but it feels very much what I've always said that the, the major beats will always be the same, but the, the fine details will be different, mm-hmm. you know? And, and because, because everything's in flux, you can't, if you were beholden to every little detail, it just would be, it just would it'd be almost impossible to tell stories. So you have to have some flexibility. It's just, it's, it's an eight, you know, you have no, it's, there's no choice. I think how they've been handling it has been perfect. And I think Dave's just kind of been, you know, the linchpin of it. He's like, yeah, acknowledge these things and acknowledge that, that this, this, a form of this happened, but it's not going to be exactly to the, just nth, you know, nth degree. Now I say all that because I've asked other people this about that whole scene at the end of rebels. Is that, you know, recreated or is that, you know, a different time? And I'm still undecided. I think really? a strong. Case, yeah. I still think there's a strong case that can be made for either way, but I don't think it's the future. If it's, if it's not been recreated, then I think it's the past. I think that potentially could be when Ahsoka takes her on as a, her own Padawan. Hmm. That's my. I, I, it's. It's not. I'm not saying it's. A, it's a slam dunk. I'm just saying that it's. It's possible. See, to me, that that'd be a regression for Ahsoka's character because, again, if I was saying like Dave wants to get to get her to the point where she becomes like Gandalf the White, and if that does happen, but then she kind of goes back <laughs> from that. But, 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 but I don't. But I think because because I think at the time he thought. Well, see, this is where I, has he gone on record saying that's where she's headed for sure, 100 percent without a doubt. No, not 100%, but that's always been like part of the conversation as far as what I think he envisions for the character. I mean, in a recent interview, even Rosario Dawson said that her and Dave talked about that with Ahsoka's character art as far as kind of being similar to that of Gandalf and a transformation from Gandalf the Great to Gandalf the White. It's, it'll be interesting. I don't, that's a very literal thing. I think that, because I don't take that as like, especially now and how they handle canon, I don't think of that as the same thing as, as what you're, you, everyone thinks it is. I, I could, I'm probably wrong. I think there's a, a solid chance that could be the, cause, cause to me, it feels very much like when Ahsoka shows up, I don't know. It feels like it's, it could be, it could be the, the, a new time. Cause, cause Ahsoka could be very confident at that point thinking I'm going to take this girl as my Padawan learner and then we're going to go get Ezra. 
and then it, everything kind of falls apart. And that's what we get alluded to in the series, right? Mm. And, and we'll, you know, we'll, before we get, we're not quite to episode three, but we're, we're kind of headed there a little bit. We'll kind of touch on some parts, I guess, right now. But because you get that in the episode three a little bit where you get more what kind of idea the relationship because they don't really have a relationship in rebels. No, um, no. you know, we have, we, they allude that they have a relationship at the end of rebels. And then now we like, which I had, which by the way, because I avoided trailers, I had no effing idea. Ahsoka was going to be training Sabine. So when they're like, talking about this, I'm like, what the F? Yeah. That had to be uh, such a mind blowing moment for you to experience it for the first time as you're watching dude, the episode. <laughs> dude, I, I was watching with my, my neighbor, my new neighbors were awesome. They're, they're star Wars fans. And I'm like, wait, 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 oh, nice. what? We're like, I was like, wait, wait, huh? Because I remember someone saying that that Sabine online was a, was force sensitive and that was dumb or whatever. And I'm like, and I remember I, I had no idea what, what they were even talking about. And I thought, you know, I I could see her being force sensitive because of the dark saber stuff, you know, easily, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I I that's just my opinion. And then when that whole thing got, came out, I went, whoa, wait a minute, that's different. Like it was a surprise, and I'm just been fascinated. Yeah with what with everything so that's why i think tim that scene in rebels where you have ahsoka the gray is actually the 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 first moment they meet up to get started as you know it kind of leads into them being a master and apprentice and that's why it feels like that that's what it, that's what i interpreted as now it's it's a possibility it's a legit possibility because she's she's kind of still like kind of just hanging out being bummed out. And then all of a sudden you've got, you know, that's the impression I got the way that rebels ends. You could still leave it there. I mean, it could be done either way, but I do feel now with, with, with so much that's been built up that we don't know and see, which by the way, this series has done that better than let's say, I don't know the sequel trilogy ever did. And partly because Dave has a plan that helps, but I mean, uh, Listen, I'm not trying to talk, just throw shade, but I'm just being real. Like, it's just interesting because they have alluded to so much we don't know, but I'm I gotta find out. And I'm like, this is yeah. like, you're you're creating your your you know your in universe content or your you know intermediate content um, that people are gonna want to devour. And like this, especially if Ahsoka's a hit, like people are gonna want that uh, Ahsoka Sabine uh, book comic hope it's a comic because forget pros um sorry pros lovers um but no like or you know video game or whatever like you know like we want animated series give us that like giving us something to meet on that you can allude to and develop over time but yet also save a lot of that fun stuff for like the other ancillary material so I feel like Dave has done a phenomenal job of building that up naturally and having that intrigue there, but not giving us every single detail and us piecing it together ourselves. That that's what was missing in the sequel trilogy. And that's what George, I I don't even know if he was purposeful to be quite honest. Like, I don't know. Right. Like, I don't know if that was an accident, but, but Dave understands that about star Wars fans. And I think that's what maybe one of the most underrated aspects of Dave, he understands the balance of let's give fans what they want. Let's pull it back a little bit. Sometimes, you know, everyone's going to agree with what I'm saying, but I think generally people could understand what I'm saying about Dave. He understands that how to tease fans, give them what they want. No one to, to give us the reveals 
and knows when not to reveal too much and later on yeah. or whatever. He just he just knows because he's done it with Clone Wars. He he's seen the he's seen us react every way, right? So um yeah, it, it just to me it feels like when I w- look at their relationship anyway with Ahsoka and, and Sabine that there's more to that 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 meeting at the end of Rebels. It just it feels that way to me. I could, I'm probably wrong, but I I don't think I'm I don't think I'm yet completely. We'll see. But there's so much intrigue that I I would agree with you that Ahsoka's on a different world, a different journey, and I don't really. I don't really see the, I don't understand the, 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 the criticism of that. I was like, he's so bland or whatever. Here's what I think the main problem is, Tim. And I'm going to see if you agree with this. I think it's because the show is called Ahsoka. And I think if this show, if I think if the show was called something else, like let's say Star Wars, like I think Rob from making Star Wars had, had mentioned like what's called like Master and Apprentice, like the first episode's called, right? Which at this point would be a fitting title. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and I got to tell you, like, I think more people would be okay with Ahsoka, but because Ahsoka is the main character, people are depending on her to carry the show the way they, they would want a traditional protagonist to do that. And it's not that. And I, I kind of understand that, but I kind of love that she's not that at the same time because it's different. Yeah. And to me, because... Honestly, that's kind of been a complaint about a lot of the series. Well, Mandalorian season three, a lot of people felt Din Djarin wasn't the main focus. I agree, uh, I agree to that. Mandalorian, Mandalorian, but... <laughs> it's about book it's so stupid. Yeah, talk about girls now. What the hell's going on, man? Let's make a four minute hour long video stream about how KK sucks. Uh. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, none of that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> none of that, please. Okay. But um, I mean, because that's, I will say that's kind of been like a criticism I've seen a lot all this year. I mean, Book of Boba Fett, I think, was the first made offender of that where he wasn't even in two <laughs> episodes. So I think that's what started it. But I, uh, even with Andor, too, where there were certain moments where it didn't feel like he was the main protagonist of the series as well. Yeah. But with this one, it, it's working. I don't feel that way, especially with this one, because even though maybe it's not just focused solely on Ahsoka, she's still a big part of what the story is focusing on as you mentioned her sure a relationship with sabina's master and apprentice so even if it's not just solely focused on her it's something that's going to be like a huge part in this stage of her life too and i still think we're going to get some big moments that are oh, yeah. just going to be about her and what she's dealt with in the past so i that stuff i think is definitely coming yeah so and so i listen for people who are criticizing that i don't want to undermine that either because if you really it really bothers you i get it but just for me, I like the fact that it's not that, but I think more people would be, maybe it's not the right word, but it feels like people would be less harsh on Ahsoka as a character if it wasn't called Ahsoka. Because it, it really is an ensemble piece. But I think because mm-hmm. for lack of a better term of like trying to market this show, you have to call it Ahsoka because she's basically the main character. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like I, she's I think- the of, of an ensemble piece. And she still will be like the journey she's going on is still going to be the focal point of this series, right? With, right. Which and, I think the being being a close second, but well, right, of course, be, yeah. And you bring up a good, good point too. We'll get the third episode here in just a few more, few more minutes. Um, as we're I, like almost forty minutes into it, <laughs> we still come on, <laughs> yeah, come on. No, but like what I was going to say was, 
I do think that well, this is all stuff we're gonna we're probably gonna talk about in the third episode anyway. So it's just, it feels like appropriate is what I would say because because uh, basically the the first I'd say tr- you know 15, 20 minutes of the show is this what we're talking yeah. about is their relationship, which we can we'll go with the full details here in a second. But um, but no, like the the thing I would say is rewatching the episodes as much as I did, I saw the criticism less to be honest. Like I, uh, it's funny. I saw the criticism more early on, but as I watched the series, I'm like, actually, because here's what I'm going to say right here. And, and this is where my buddy Tyler from the, um, the uh, Star Wars news that w- was talking about. And he brought up a great point. Cause, cause I, 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 I expressed my concerns over the, um, to the show and he pretty much kind of said the same thing you said, Tim was like, she's on a journey and we're kind of, you know, that's, people mistake her being the master as the person who's not going on the journey. And that's not really the case. Mm-hmm. Right. And that we have to see how she develops. And I kind of already had that in mind, but he kind of like you echoed a lot of what he said made me feel better. But one of the things that rewatching it afterwards, after I initially saw it the first couple of times, the next couple of times I watched it, I realized Ahsoka is a lot more jovial with Hugh Yang before she gets Sabine or until she gets to Sabine. Cause when, once Hera, once Hera like is like, we need to get Sabine, you, you know, she's like, uh, yeah, about that. <laughs> she's very much like office space, you know, Lumberg, if you know who I'm talking about, she's like, yeah, about Sabine. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's essentially it, like her whole tone almost shifts, like not completely, but it kind of does. And like if you, I, I encourage people if you if that's a legitimate criticism you have, and maybe you'll disagree with me still, go watch that beginning with Hugh Ang and like and everything before Hera, because she's a lot more like playful. You know, not like, it's like a night and day, but you can tell it's a shift when Sabine gets in mm. compared to her Hugh Ang. So uh, Hugh Yang, excuse me, I don't say his name. Um, do, do would you agree to that? I didn't really think about that, but you make a good point where now that I look back at that, the first interaction when she escapes the temple, yeah, it was a little more like, you know, that familiar playful banter that you mm-hmm. would have with some, you know, for someone for a long time. So, yeah, yeah, that is a good point that I see. Yeah. So it feels it supports what he said and what you said, but, you know, about her going on a journey and i think again i think the problem is the way because the show is called ahsoka but yet she's the master at this point the people are putting that on her like she's not perfect but like she's not gonna grow but i don't think that's like right what's not that's not i think people are misreading this right now because of sabine's character Mm, yeah so um yeah go ahead you want to know they're both going to be going on a journey where we're going to see the characters grow both as a master and an apprentice because like i said yeah ahsoka hasn't proven herself to be a master yet she's failed at that so far so we got to see her kind of grow and really become the master that she's going to set out to be forced to be yeah yeah all right so let's get deep into this episode three of ahsoka and so tim we kind of we will just kind of piggyback off of what we were talking about before with ahsoka and sabine and hugh yang Am I saying Hugh Wang is Hugh Wang or how am I Hugh Yang? Okay, see, I'm just I'm terrible at pronouncing things. Everyone knows this. I I just I should say the guy who's a droid, Um, (laughs) Hugh Yang. Uh, You know, I gotta tell you, man. Like, it starts off with a bang with freaking damage. Oh man, with Hugh (laughs) Hugh Yang is like has his like you know little fake lightsabers and he's training Sabine and I'm like, I, I gotta tell you, 
first i just as soon as i saw that i went god damn they don't waste time do they man yep. oh man like seriously <laughs> like immediate smile on your face <laughs> at least i did like well yeah i mean like because it instantly there's so much visual storytelling with star wars and that's where i think is part of i think dave filoni's strength is the visual like aesthetic and not just aesthetic but like the visual way of telling about a character and something as stupid and simple as just training because you had immediately get Hugh Yang like characterization development, character development by having him train Sabine like that with all his little lightsabers. You immediately go, okay, he wasn't just a guy who builds lightsabers. He actually has developed training in him. Mm, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like <laughs> there's more to Hugh Yang than immediately we already thought. We already knew it was there, but now like we're getting it told to us without being hit over the head. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I could, it immediately makes sense as you're watching it. <laughs> if you're already mm -hmm. familiar with the character and his background or yeah. his connection to the Jedi and the lightsabers. So I actually yeah. had an interesting thought out as I was watching that because as he was training with Sabine, he had, it had four arms out and it just reminded me oh, of Grievous. I knew and it. it yeah. And it made me think, obviously, Dooku had to go on the same uh, gathering journey to build his own lightsaber. Like, what if he kind of had that same training with Hu Yang with his four arms, and he took that concept as far as when creating the droid body for Grievous and wanting him to use lightsabers, let's give him four arms and kind of have that similar style. So I was like, I, I just wonder if that's like, some, I don't know if we'll ever get that story uh, or detail about grievous when he was creative but i just can help think about that dooku probably might have done some training with who like that and just took that into his design and created grievous to give him four arms to use lightsaber with but i, I kind of got grievous vibes when i was seeing him there just made me think of that as two droid characters um doing some like lightsaber combat with four arms i couldn't help but think of that i didn't even think of that but now i'm like oh god this is perfect you know again it's you're rhyming and pulling nods to previous things like that. It's just like, again, Filoni and George just have a perfect instinct of that. It just, it feels immediately star Wars, right? Mm -hmm. um, the callback, if you will. Um, so we have, you know, Hugh Yang training Sabine and it, it was interesting to see him just it, it, immediately. You're, you're seeing him push the character and, you know, which we saw that in the previous episodes, but he almost feels like he's being overly harsh in this one. But at the same time, I feel it's all set up too for many, many different things, which we'll get to in a second. But I think most of all, not most of all, but I think a good portion of that is going to be Hugh Yang's eventual character development, Tim, to be honest, because mm -hmm. how hard he's been on, you know, when he's telling Sabine, I, you know, you're the least altitude, you know, altitude, altitude. Am I saying that right? Um, uh, aptitude, right? Aptitude. Um, is that the right word I'm looking for? Yeah. Well, pretty much like the least likely candidate to ever be a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I can't say the words, right? Why am I even hosting? Just you take over. Um, no, but, <laughs> but like, fine, Paul. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you, Tim. Um, but no, like just the fact that she's the least, you know, uh, at, you know, adequately trained or uh, per, you know, Jedi or ever. I mean, he, to be. he flat out says she would never have been a candidate or accepted amongst the Jedi to be a candidate. You're and there. This is where I think people. You could say if you're like a, like my wife would be like exposition or 
you know, foreshadowing, like, you know, yes, I get it. Right. Like I know what they're trying to do here, but to me, there's more because the fact that I think Hugh Yang is going to get his own development of like, which I think is really cool because droids are, are people in the Star Wars universe, right? Like, you know, people think, you know, they, they don't, they have, they have like feeling like, you know, circuits, right? Like they feel pain. That's the whole thing. Right. And, you know, like, like 3PO is like, guys, they, they say they have emotions. They've built that they're built to have an emotion, you know, for the, not all of them, but a lot of them just like 3PO those, you know, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And yeah. So it, it's cool because you can get character development that way, especially with an ancient droid like Hugh Yang, who's going to be going through, I think his own development as a character to realize that because it, the old ways are not always the ways you have to keep. And that to me has been a big emphasis of this whole series so far after three episodes. And it, it's definitely been there, but this episode really drives home. I think that idea and theme to set up the pre the next, you know, four episodes or uh, yeah, the four or five episodes we're going to get because Hugh Yang has been, this been like harping on Sabine, like, you know, you're not, you're, you know, you would never make it in the Jedi Order, which is weird when you look back and maybe you could think of a criticism because he's actually like pushing her to be a Jedi. But then he's like, you also suck. So it just it's it. I do feel like it's like, well, where is he trying to do? I do. I do would like to or like to see Hugh Yang be say, I'm doing this to push you as a person. Like, I like mm -hmm. to see that. That'd be nice a little bit, you know, um, to actually have him say that personally. But I do think that with this whole thing we're, we're getting with the de definitions of what, what is a Jedi, what makes a Jedi, where they stand as a, as a, as an organization, if you will, right now, that's all being heavily like played on and, and worked on in this series. And this episode really, I think bridges that I, that kind of confirms and bridges that idea that we're going to be getting that going forward. Yeah. This, all this stuff with Sabine's training and in particular, the conversation she has with Ahsoka, afterward where they were talking about you know what it means to be a jedi and use the force that's probably my we got there's tons of great stuff in this episode even though for a short runtime but this might have been my favorite aspect of it because diving into sure. this new aspect of what it could mean to someone to use the force and i like how they're doing it they're just doing it so beautifully i think where they're not making it so easy for or not just saying you know that whole thing where oh anyone could be a jedi but it's it's more nuanced than that because everyone is connected to the force obviously um there's that line in rebels i mentioned this on our last episode talking about um the premieres where that line that kanan says the force resides in all living things and it's just kind of it's up to her to bring it out and now ahsoka kind of said the same thing too obviously the force resides in all living things so that's not necessarily a new concept but just how someone without a high midi chlorine count like how much how far can they achieve without the talent because that's what ahsoka says the talent does play a factor and i just like how sabine just flat out asks well if it's how come if everyone has a connection to the force how come everyone doesn't use it and because that would obviously be or was the question going into it the series um, for some who once we did find out that sabine was going to be training as a jedi under ahsoka but how how it explained here, I just liked it because it's not going to be easy. It's not. I don't think Sabine's ever going to get to that point where she's like a traditional Jedi that we've seen in all the movies and TV shows. Mm -hmm. But she's going to be a different 
type of force user. It's like one who's more limited, but yet can still channel that connection she does have with the force, even if it does limit it to to a limited extent, but yet still use that to as a way to be in the or to. Uh, I'm getting a little tongue tied here as I try to. Yeah, I have no idea what I that's think like. Going, but <laughs> it's like. <laughs> knowing that she's still going to be able to use her knowledge and her training that she's going to get from Ahsoka in a meaningful way, in an effective way, even though it's mm -hmm. not on the same level as other Jedi. But yeah. um, just that notion of, too, that this is the way that Ahsoka wants to do it because in her other, another great conversation, which she had with Hugh Yang, as far as saying how, well, the old Hugh Yang was talking about the way the Jedi's did things for thousands of years. And she's saying, well, it failed. The Jedi order doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> And just how she is kind of going about it a different way. Maybe this is a different avenue to explore for a new generation of Jedi um, to not necessarily just solely rely on your talent and maybe chlorian count. But I mean, we'll have to wait and see if that ends up um, being the case as far as it being something that will be successful because we don't know all of the students that Luke had by the time we get to that point where he rebuilt his Jedi school. What if it is kind of a mixture of those who do have high midi chlorine counts or are more talented and can connect more with the force. But at the same time, it also has some students who aren't as talented and don't have that strong connection, but yet are still being trained to whatever their limit is to have it just be kind of more of an encompassing Jedi order for not necessarily putting a limit on those who can tap into the force stronger than others. Because that I like that theme as far as saying the force resides or resides in all living things. And that's maybe something uh, this new Jedi Order should really look into more instead of just on your midi-chlorian count. So just a lot of cool avenues to explore with this new concept. And I just like to, where I don't think it's going to be something where all of a sudden, because they're kind of playing on that trope where Sabine was trying to move the cup with the Force. And I'm glad they didn't do it right. Like she didn't tap into it right then and there. This would have been a little too convenient. Or when she walked out and she like tells the cup in a joking way, oh, you win this round. And then like we see the cup move <laughs> like a second or so very slightly kind of giving you that hint but no it just stays still she wasn't able to do it then and it makes total sense and just how um and the other thing i forgot too <laughs> that i really like is how ahsoka says is what few a lot of reason that could be where a lot don't tap into the potential of what they can with the force is because a lot don't have the discipline or the will to do the training that the jedi instill in their students mm. and that can play a a factor with it as well especially if it's harder for someone who is not necessarily gifted um with tapping into the force not just going to make your training a lot more difficult than um an already difficult training for those who are um potential to be jedi with a strong connection to the force so there's a lot of avenues where i think it's making sense that it's just cool to have this direction go for someone to tap into the force or lack thereof but yet still be trained in the ways of the jedis i, I just think it's a fascinating story concept uh, to be explored in this series so it's something we were curious about going in as far as like what was sabine's uh level of force connection was going to be did she happen to tap into it and stuff that happened off screen or stories we never got before but i'm, I'm glad they're not going that way that this is the direction that they're going where it is going to be part of the journey that she's going to do as far as um, just seeing how disciplined she's going to be and knowing that it's not going to come easy to her to tap in to the force, even though everybody has the potential mm -hmm. to do so. So I, it's just going to be really cool to see like how far she's going to be able to get. Cause I do think we're going to get to a point where 
she will be able to use it at some point, whether it's a force push or a force pull, just something. But um, knowing that it's going to kind of be a struggle for her to get there. But yet when she does finally reach that point, it's probably going to be very, very satisfying after knowing where she came from and just how, um, as you said, Hu Yang's beating it into us as far as how uh, difficult, difficult it's going to be. But yet uh, that determination that she's showing already in this training sequence that she's going to have is, like I said, I think it's going to be a great payoff once we get to that moment when she reaches that uh, point in her journey of the story. Man, we could have a whole just two hour right. discussion <laughs> on, and not even joking you about, because I, you know, I've, I've talked about before with, with people on the, you know, Star Wars Newsnet with Tyler there and, and with you before the show, we could have a whole two hour conversation just based upon some of the conversations that Ahsoka and Sabine and Hugh Yang are talking about and having together and one of the things that I, I've been, I've said since the last Jedi and I've been vehemently against is that anyone could be a Jedi. Mm. It drives me nuts when people want that. It just, it's, you can want that. That's, that's your, your, your opinion. I'm just vehemently against it with star Wars. It just does not make sense that anyone, that every Jedi is created equal. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, it's not like it's, you know, people say, well, how did like, you know, Mace Windu get more powerful and, and, and to bring it back to Ray, you know, I've always said Ray should be a much more powerful Jedi than everybody, just mm -hmm. regardless before the Palpatine. I've always said that. Yep. Always. And yeah, you're always going to tell people that like, you can back me up. I've always said Ray should be the, the most powerful Jedi on in the galaxy. She should be, she should be more raw, powerful than Ahsoka, period. Just gonna say it, but does that mean she's gonna be a better overall Jedi? Remains to be seen. I don't know. Like that's the beauty of I think we. I always use a sports analogy, right? You can always have the most talent, but does that mean you're going to be the best player automatically? Like maybe in college, I always say college football players are always better. You know, you can get by on talent alone, but yet in the pros, it's it goes. You know, you have to be smarter than that, right? <clears throat> and so, I. I never liked the idea of Broom Boy being like, "Oh, everyone going to train themselves and be Jedi." It's like, it's like if if everyone's special, no one's special. Mm -hmm. You know, I just it just can't be like that. I just I don't think so. And that being said, you could argue with Sabine. Before I think before honestly, like there was hints that maybe that they could be going that direction. And I love how Filoni kind of teases this like. Cause I don't think that was ever his intention to give that idea of like anyone could be a Jedi, but I think he wanted to show like, you know, build up this whole, like is Sabine force sensitive, like what happened there. And then kind of brings it all to a head here because the conversation that Sabine and Ahsoka have together is perfect because they say, or she says that, you know, talent's a factor, mm -hmm. you know, when Sabine says, well, if, it, if the force resides in everyone, why, why can't we all use it? And we'll tell it as a factor. But one of the biggest things, and I don't want to under you know undersell this you know at all, but I'll be honest, this when she says, but training and all that, that's what makes that's what gives a Jedi a true you know difference. And I think what Hugh Yang is talking about. Is that whole? It's it's almost like I'm gonna keep using sports because I know Filoni's a big sports guy. He's a big sports guy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's using maybe I, I'm reading too much into it, but I think there's a lot of parallels there because when I think of like scouts, that's what Hugh Ang is. 
he's huh. seeing the he because no honestly he's no seeing yeah that's, like, that's a good analogy yeah. he, he's seeing like the the raw potential of a of a person and being like and, and he could say that person's ever going to be a good quarterback in the nfl or that person will never be a good safety in the nfl because of this this and this and this but then and then they'll be right a bunch but then there's that one player that like becomes like an all pro quarterback or becomes a hall of famer like tom brady which i hate but I'll, I gotta get props like that dude was a six round draft pick. Right. So, I mean, there's, that's what that is, is that Hugh Yang is saying, I, you know, or Russell Wilson, my old boy, who's now in Denver, like, you know, he's too short to be a quarterback. Like you, here's no way, you know, that's ever going to work. It worked. And he became one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You know, that's a whole different, different podcast, but you get what I'm saying. Um, there's that element that, talent has to be there but they're that hard work element that is the the intangibles that's what's you know people take for granted and don't and underestimate and that's what ahsoka is essentially alluding to is that what brought the jedi order down in the first place was that whole mentality tim of that scout mentality or mm -hmm. that legalistic mentality i keep bringing it's, everything is a formula this plus this equals that no, there's no question. This is what it is. This is what it is. When you put this together and that together, this mixes this and we move on. Like there, there has to be a structure, but the problem is there was too much structure. And there was that legalism dogma that the Palpatine saw exposed because it was a legitimate flaw, a huge flaw in the Jedi. And that is what's missing. And, and that's what's missing if Hugh Yang, I was brought up earlier, his characterization and development will, will be will be changed by the end. If he's not dead, it'll be real. He could be destroyed. Oh, I, I, hope mean, <laughs> I hope not. I hope I hope not either. He's, he's a fan favorite. Let's be real. But sorry, I drink something. Um, but the thing is, like he could, he's going to see at the very end, like, oh, I see what you're saying, Ahsoka. Like he's going to see Sabine do something heroic and great as a Jedi or as a potential uh, you know, Jedi, and he's going to realize my programming's you know is now outdated. It's not it's not my program. It's now outdated, you know. And I think that that's where we're headed, and it makes a lot more sense in where it's going because the one thing I think that George was trying to do was give a reason why people were more talented in the Force than others, and yes. I don't think that was a bad thing. People looked at it as like, you're killing the mysticism. It's like, that's not what he's doing, idiot. But like, the <laughs> thing is, I'm just being real. I just, he wasn't doing, I realized that what, like, it's abrasive, it's weird. But I, but like my button says, keep Star Wars weird. But like, the thing is, he's trying to give a reason why Anakin is so powerful and why, it, why it's a big deal. You know, he has to give a level of some point. And, you know, and where he could have just been like, he's more talented. It could have used, you know, just different things you could do with it, right? But Ahsoka says the best. Instead of saying a midi chlorian, she says talent. Let's be real. And that's the thing is like she tells us that it plays a factor, but the problem is that is an under that is an overrated thing because the sheer determination of a Jedi could get develop and that it could develop into that hero, into that person of what Hugh Yang perceives as is a good jedi i think that's the thing and that development and maybe the, the midi chlorine count like it was like you said too she's not going to be a jedi that i think could you know if even at her prime of being a jedi her most powerful she's not gonna be able to compete with a a ray or even ahsoka mm -hmm. uh maybe even shin 
you know, let's yeah. be real. Like maybe, maybe she's never going to be as good as Shannon, but she'll outsmart her a different way without, out, without being a Jedi. That's where I think is what we're going to probably see, but doesn't mean she can't be great still as a Jedi, just because she'll never be. It's just like, it's like, you know, not everyone's going to be Michael Jordan or LeBron James. This doesn't make sense. Right. Like you can't be that. And I, cause like there's players like that. If I don't want to get undersell her either, but like a role player, I don't think she's going to be a role player, but she's going to be an adequate player, you know, in as a Jedi. And I think that's, you know, use whatever sports analogy, you sports analogy you want, but it's like, you know, she's not number one, but she's a good like number two, three option. And that's still, you need those players and those people on your team, whatever team you're on, whether it be sports, your, your, your work team or whatever team. And I think that's what she represents. And I think we're getting that explanation here as, as we see her develop. And I think it's critical because one thing we're also not, not remembering is uh, here at this moment is Rogue One with, um, you know, Chirrut. Yeah, Chirrut. Yeah. Yeah. Chirrut probably could barely, probably has even less than, than uh, Sabine does. And look what he's able to do. Um, you know, he probably could never be a Jedi. You know, or maybe he could. I don't know. Maybe he does have Sabine, but it feels like they're they're going towards she could be a Jedi. Whereas Chirrut, he he was more in tune with the Force than most people, could still only use it a little bit. Mm. And I think that's telling, because even with someone like Chirrut who dedicates himself to the Force, you know, you know, the Guardians of the Wills, like even more than like the Jedi, he's a Force, you know, to the Force itself. He still couldn't tap in that much to it. So there is a talent factor and a, a thing. And I think we get a great, to me, to be honest, I'm going to say it right now. At this moment, probably the best explanation of how the Force is with Jedi ever. You can make that argument. I'll have to, have to think about that a little more. But it was great. But like you said, this again, adding that new layer into it of what it actually means for someone who's not a Jedi to tap in the Force. That's what makes it so fascinated because uh, I don't want to sound like I'm repeating myself, but just that idea that someone we always know that the force resolves around all living beings. So yeah. there's got to be a potential for even the weakest <laughs> one to show a mustard seed, from. right? Yeah. <laughs> like you know, the faith of the seed of a mustard or the size of a mustard seed, you know, sorry, uh, I butchered that Bible verse for those who <laughs> I, I know the Bible. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, for those who don't know the Bible, it's, it's, you know, God talks about, or the Bible talks about, I should say, um, you know, faith of, a, you know, it could be the size of a mustard seed can grow into something. And I think that to me is where I think they're going for it. It just, and I think that's, yeah. Good. And just the fact that in, in the universe, that was something that can never be, been explored because the Jedi wouldn't allow it. Like exactly. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. we never got to see the potential of what someone who obviously wasn't as talented as others to see how far they could go. Because as uh, Hugh Yang just said, like that someone at Sabine's level wouldn't even be uh, considered to be a Jedi. But, council, but, so. but consider this too, Tim. Like, how do we know that that wasn't still the case before the Jedi became that legalistic, but it was that idea and that way of thinking got lost in time. Yeah. I mean, that's true too. Yeah. And, and that's, and that to me is what's critical about this. And I think that's, what's really interesting is that they're opening up and let's just be real. I'm just going to, I guess I'd be remiss to even say this at any point for Ahsoka at this point, in these first three episodes, how amazing is it? We're getting Jedi focused series finally. Yeah. <laughs> 
Like it feels so good. Like the, to me, maybe that's where why it feels like so Star Wars to me. Because we're talking about the Force. It's got lightsabers. Mm. Like we're going like it's like this is what I live for, man. Like this is what this is what I love about Star Wars. And, and I know people. I love space. I love everything about Star Wars. Let's be real. That's why I'm on a podcast, two podcasts for it, God's sakes. But the, <laughs> but the thing is, I'd say the Force to me is what makes gives it its difference. Like the Jedi, the Force, yeah. the dark side. That to me is what makes a difference. You know, a game changer. But having Jedi be the focus of a series is chef's kiss. Oh, so good, so good. So anyway, we'll move on here from the from this part. I think we, we, we I think unless there's anything else you want to touch on before we get into like the, they what they discover here on the on the planet. No, yeah, it was. I just to reiterate, I loved all that stuff in the beginning with her training. Um, my one thing I will say, <laughs> I mean, this is like the small smallest of nitpicks. I did find it kind of weird that like Kanan's the only character. Well, I guess Zeb, well, we've seen Zeb already in Mandalorian, but Kanan hasn't been mentioned at all yet. And the fact that Sabine trained with Kanan with the dark yeah. saber while Agreed. he was blind and her trying to do some more training without being able to see, I think she would at least mention it or tr- try to channel something or uh, from her time with training with Kanan because, I mean, it's such an obvious, obvious similarities in what she was going through and knew from the first time she was being trained by someone who couldn't see. I just sort of thought he would have been mentioned there. Yeah, uh, I think there's time. And I oh, think definitely. that, yeah, and I also think that she's so focused and so angry at that time. Like, it, it I, I don't, I don't see that being an issue for me, for me anyway. I, I think I understand the situation from that point. I, it, I don't, I don't, I don't think it would have, it wouldn't have fit as much because she's so, because there's so much history between them at this point. Like, I don't want to say Kanan's an afterthought, but I don't think at that point, like, it's that much in the the forefront mm. if that makes sense no yeah i can see that too but so, i don't know i don't want to say like a missed opportunity because like you said i think we're gonna get a canaan name job at the very oh least yeah oh, oh yeah but, i think we're i think we're gonna get i think we're gonna get more than that i we'll get we'll get to more i'll get i'll get to more of that in a second here so at this point we get what's this how it again so bad with names do you know the planet name they're going to again it's like um uh, see, I should know it after seeing it so many times, but we got we got so many Star Wars planet now. It's hard to keep track. True. Of actually all we'll just day. say this: the planet where the hyperspace rings are being made at. You know what I'm talking about. They're flying towards it. They have the beacon, and they're headed towards it. And we get, you know, this this I'm going to say this right now. You know, but the shows never look cheap one bit, right? No. But yeah. just like, but but just like any other t- good, well-made TV show, they make use of the sets they have, like on the ship and the cock the cockpit, what what have you. Uh I'll 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 say this right now. My biggest criticism of the show so far is probably uh is like some of the scenes they have of like them in the cockpit like and then moving is kind of weird at times. I'm like, eh, it's, 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 like I don't know. It's just like I'm like this looks kind of not cheap, but this is kind of weird. It's like it's just not it's just not edited the best. It's kind of this kind of shades of like episode one, Obi-Wan Kenobi, where it's like it kind of looks a little too much like a TV show just for a, a split second. Like I feel like if they would have cut like instead of having them talk while they're moving around on a wide shot, they if they went close up on their vo- their voice on the on like the, when they're when whoever's talking it would be a little bit not like that if that makes any sense like some of the wide shots are weird when they're when like ahsoka's like talking this being like no Sabina, don't do this blah, blah, blah. i'm like yeah, this, this is not like this is not the most gracious of shots i don't just a couple things like that just stuck out to me that being said that is like 
the nitpickiest of nitpicky, by the way. That being said, I was not prepared uh, to get like, because again, you're in a stage, you know, the whole, which is great. I love that stuff where they're talking, you know, because I live for that dialogue we just got. We just spent like 40 minutes on. Uh, the thing is, I was not prepared to get like full-fledged awesome dogfight. Like I was yeah, not prepared for that. A full-blown legit Star Wars base a space battle that you know could go up there when you're ranking best Star Wars space battle. Um, this one might be in the conversation as far as dude. That was okay. I just want to say how good it looked and how it was shot and how it was everything from like because again. I got to give a huge shout out to Steph Green because yeah, she's great. She, she has killed it three out of three. Mm-hmm. That Boba Fett episode, I, uh, she only did the one episode in Book of Boba Fett, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was still probably the best episode of the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Like that, that episode's fantastic. Especially when, she, when it just comes down to Boba Fett centered episodes, that easily is the best one. Oh, easily. Easily. It, it may be one of the best, I think maybe Star Wars episodes of like all the, of all the series so far. I put that up there. I agree. Yeah. It's that good. And I know the, I know the series maybe is not the strongest, but that episode is so good. Um, You know, and the thing is episode two was, was, was a, a good, I loved episode two. I didn't like it as much the first time I watched it, but every time I watch it, it skips, skips better and better and better. She nails it. Dude, she, this episode, she full on, just gets great performances out of everyone. And it's it just, just the energy that she gets from this and, and how she formed this episode. Obviously Filoni is part of their, you know, orchestrating this too, but her and Filoni together have been like a perfect match. And I have been really impressed with all her episodes. Anytime she's on, she's directed. I've been like, wow. And I don't think it's a coincidence to be quite honest. So, um, but yeah, the dog fights, this were just they looked great just really really well done and i gotta say like just like the the, the tight close-up shots of them flying the ships like i know it sounds stupid but it just the energy was there for old yeah. school star wars mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like just a, a rehashing of the tie fighter battle when the falcons escaping the death star and a new hope i mean obviously you're going to get some similarities you can't help it when you're just in a gun turret shooting down some enemy ships but just kind of going beyond just how great it looked and how amazingly it was shot to give just a great action sequence. But just even from a character standpoint, I just loved how Sabine and Ahsoka were working together to take down these ships. And Sabine just makes that like comment, oh, you like, you like, didn't save my settings. And Ahsoka's like, never needed them. <laughs> Obviously, because she has the force and doesn't need those. But uh, at the same time, once Ahsoka kind of realizes, Okay, they kind of she kind of has to let Sabine take the lead here and just says, like, she tells Sabine, okay, just tell me what you need me to do. And then Sabine gives the orders as far as when to kind of take the ship down to where she can get some shots. And like, it doesn't work right away, too. It's kind of like, again, just another step of their master and apprentice uh, training, kind of getting and their relationship getting reestablished, learning to trust one another, and Ahsoka learning to win to let Sabine. Uh, take the lead on certain things, but eventually um, it does succeed where they are working in tandem where Sabine's telling her where to go. Ahsoka uh, maneuvers the ship and she takes the shot and takes uh, down those fighters. And it just made a great, just more great dynamics between the two characters amongst some <laughs> really cool action and some space battles. And we knew we saw Shin in from the trailers in the cockpit, so we knew she was going to be in that space battle, but I wasn't expecting to see Morak um, in a fighter as well God. being included in it. He, I love his costume. I mean, it's, it's Dude! 
a typical Inquisitor suit, but it looks great in live action and, and cool looks <sighs> seeing to fly a ship as well. Dude, just to quote our our good uh, missing co-host, that Masto. Right. <laughs> right? Like, Kyle, if you're listening, that Masto. Like, there's the... I've never... I don't think I've I've, I've gravitated towards like uh like these these new characters since like the since Kylo Ren these bad guys in a long time man like I've Shin uh, uh Balin right Balin and Shin like yeah. just are I almost forgot Balin's name for a minute there God but like even Maruk as like the the, the henchman God it's perfect Maruk yeah. is just I love the I love the design of the character it's just man like just seeing that together again shin is just fascinating to me man and the actress planer is just nailing it mm-hmm. i mean like we're talking like i am intrigued like their their approach and i'm sure i'm sure it's a collaboration it's her and other people like what the, the performance but her execution of that performance is just is electrifying it there is something about her and the fact that you have ray stevenson you know may rest in peace in his presence on screen with her presence on screen, it just was something I wasn't prepared for. They just jump out. They just jump out at you, you know, and this is no exception. And even her in a cockpit, just flying a ship and just like looking straight ahead at the camera is like, it's just, there's something magnetic with her performance. It's like, you know, there's this, this, her eyes are so like, she's a beautiful girl. She has. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. like, Like she's a pretty girl but there's this weird like deadness in her at the same time that is eerie, but yet intriguing. And yet she's attracted. So it's just really complexity and her, just her expression and her natural way. She looks, it's just like, it's fascinating. And man, they, they, I hope this is a coming out party for her as an actor, because she is just, I'm interested what if what she can do after Star Wars, you know, if and hopefully she survives and hopefully, you know, where we're going with all this, she can, you know, be a a, a, a character that kind of sticks around. We'll see. Yeah. But but no, like I this whole scene was just fantastic. even like with Sabine and like some of the shots they have with her and the and the and the and the and the, uh, the gunner seat, just great stuff. And like you talked about before, Ahsoka and her relationship, Ahsoka kind of eases up a little bit with this, and you kind you can see her kind of you know that energy like you know when she's like you know um, you know give me the, give me your mark like some of her energy started matching i felt maybe i'm yeah. projecting started pro- i started matching that old school ahsoka we got from clone wars at least in my yeah, opinion no i agree because you're kind of not only kind of seeing what it was probably like for them when they were first starting as master and student kind of how yeah. their rapport was with each other but even mm-hmm. just i'm sure for ahsoka taking her back to times when she was anakin's apprentice like just working together with someone again um as she's done for most of her life especially in combat too so this kind of that this scenario bringing that out of her again it makes total sense as she's doing it with someone obviously that she's close with and has this master and apprentice relationship with and that she probably can't help but think about her time with anakin and kind of being these similar battles with him before yeah, so I, that all felt very natural to me, and I felt like we're starting to see that a little bit, you know, uh, the, a little bit of her character kind of easing up a little bit, which, again, I'm not sure if it's purposeful. It feels like it is, and I hope it is, and I think it is. That's a lot of things. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, so we get this great stuff, and 
But it okay, gets even that, better. <laughs> whoa, yeah, I'm about to get to that. One one thing I'm going to say, actually, I'll save it for the end. Remind me to talk about henchmen at the end. Just okay. put a pin in that for me, okay? Because there's there's henchmen in this, but I want to talk about them in a second. Um, there's a method of my madness here, Tim. Um, we'll get to the As big there scenes. Always is. <laughs> All, always with me. So um, we have my my girl Morgan uh, Elsbeth. Uh, you know, uh, Elsbeth, right? That's her last name, yeah. Elsbeth. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, my girl uh she's like you know doing all conniving things you know shooting people down my 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 death my death queen if you will uh uh which i, I love i love her death man i've got a, i got this weird crush on her i, I think it's because she's from death or she's a night sister i think that's what it is but anyway um so you she shoots the, sh- the ship down and then you know they're dead in the water, and this is where some of that, that stuff, like that weird, awkward, like wide shot stuff in the cockpit, that gets kind of weird for me when they're moving around. It just, it just feels very, just not, not as fluid as it did in the movies. But regardless, um, everything else is like movie quality when they get in the dogfight stuff. But that stuff is so, so every once in a while nitpicks, right? But when Ahsoka's like, I'm gonna go out there, gets out in a freaking spacesuit. First time <laughs> we've seen this in Star Wars live action, and maybe is it. We we got it obviously in Clone Wars, yeah, and in um and uh, uh, uh Rebels, mm-hmm. but she yeah. was out there in the Sabine and, and Sabine and Rebels, <laughs> so she's yeah yeah too. yeah yeah. But then we get that whole scene, dude. I can't. I, I gotta tell you, Tim, when she gets out there with, with her freaking lightsabers, I'm like, no way, and it's handled to perfection. Yeah, like because I, <laughs> I almost felt it was gonna be a little cheesy. I'm like, okay, but I'm like, oh. Like, no, this actually works perfectly. It felt so Star Wars to me, and it felt so it's so good. I just I love this. This was this was they executed this better than I ever could have imagined. Yeah, this was just so cool to see. I mean, I have a lot of things on my bingo card that I was hoping to see in the series. I did yep. not have Ahsoka out in her spacesuit taking down enemy fighters with a lightsaber as one of them. But man, I'm so glad we did because, like you said, it was executed beautifully. Because once you said, I'm heading out there, it's like, oh man, are they, are they actually going to do it? Are we actually going to see Ahsoka take down one of these fighters with her lightsaber? And sure enough, we did. And it was good because it wasn't overdone. It was just, it was just felt just right. We saw her um, deflect some laser blasts coming from the ship. Um, do a spin over one and then just take one out just with one swing or a lightsaber that's kind of all we needed to and it just was really cool just a great way to kind of cap off which was a really fun and exciting space battle and get to see something we've never seen in live action mm-hmm. star wars before mm-hmm. with ahsoka or just a jedi or anyone using their lightsabers to take out an enemy ship while out in space it was just really awesome because going back to some of the trailer stuff too there was that shot where she was in that in that suit and i noticed um because it was as we'll get to the stuff with the pergo later they show some shots of that in the second trailer where she's in that suit and i'm wondering okay why she's in that suit i almost thought okay they had to kind of sneak in and infiltrate to some like corporation or something and that's just a uniform <laughs> that she had to wear god i'm so glad you're wrong i'm so glad you're wrong i'm just so glad that wasn't the case because this is a thousand times better than that <laughs> Well, and this is why I just want to emphasize people, you can do what you want, but I'm so done with trailers. And this is a great example. Why? Because I had no idea. Like, I wouldn't even thought like to see that suit, because as soon as this would, like, if I would have saw the trailer, I would have maybe put some things together like, oh, we're going to, you know, you know what I mean? Like, maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't that smart, but you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah. 
I have no idea. We're in these I thought, Oh, we're going to get the infiltration sneak around episode eventually, but not anymore <laughs> because oh everything God. I thought with that suit that she was wearing happened right here. So amazing. I, I there was it was really funny because when I watched it again uh, yesterday, Tim, when like uh, Shin is like just trying to blow away Ahsoka and she's just, you know, like whatever. I'm like, why doesn't she just like go for the other side and just like destroy the ship? <laughs> you know, yeah. but 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 it makes sense because she wants to like destroy Ahsoka. Like exactly, she, it's like yeah. it's it's that symbol, right? Like it's mm-hmm. so she wants to prove herself too. Yeah. Exactly. So like it fits perfectly. People want to be like, <laughs> like everyone. It's like it's it's when you're, you're in the moment. You're not everyone's that. It's not everyone's not Grand Animal Thrawn when they're you know it's you know what I mean. Like they're not like yeah. oh, let's go over here because of art I saw. I would make sure you know whatever you know like <laughs> it's just not going to happen. It makes sense in the story beats of what we see Shin as a character and like just in reality, most people, it's just, you're, you're focused in. It's just human nature to be like, I see a moving target, you know, like, you think it's going to be an easy target too. Yeah. <laughs> like how's exactly. this person maneuver dodge a barrage of laser blasts out in space. And then, yeah. And then it was really cute. Cause like, it, I say cute. Cause I, when it's like Sabine, things, you know, she's floating away. Like I got it all figured out. And she's like, huh? Like it's, I just love how this this calm Ahsoka is, and how she's just floating off in space, yep. and like, I, I just I got, and this is again that playful like, I Rosera Dawson man, like I love her as Ahsoka, like I just I loved her from the minute I saw her as Ahsoka. I love mm-hmm. Rosera Dawson as an actress. I think she's fantastic. Seems like a, a, a person I'd love to kick it with and like have fun with. She's beautiful. I have a huge crush on her, but like, I think she is a fantastic Ahsoka. I know people are going to say like, she's too serious. She's too sulky. Like that's their opinion. You're entitled to it. I love it. Like, I love this character. And I think seeing her kind of, again, not, I'm not saying she's a 180, but I see a little bit of cracks in like the, the, like the, the, you know, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just seeing that branch out a little bit in this just shows you the range of the character. I think of the actress, and I think she's fantastic. I, I just loved her in this episode. And I just, she, I think the one thing we're, again, we're taking for granted, it, I think, is Rosario Dawson's physical uh, ability. She is just, just, I mean, she was great in the Jedi, the Mandalorian episode. Holy SH. Uh, I think she has been embodying the physicality of Ahsoka and just the way she moves. There is a, it is not easy what she's doing. And she does it very effortlessly where maybe she was an athlete before. I don't know, but she just, the way she handles herself physically as Ahsoka when she's fighting is maybe the most underrated aspect of her. I think as the portrayal of the character, and maybe that's some of that's probably going to be a stunt double, but this, obviously I think the, the close-up shots she does, there's, there's great acting there. It really is. And I think there's an underrated part of the, her character with that, with the, especially with the scene. No. Yeah. I completely agree. She's nailing it at all levels. And again, especially at the point where Ahsoka is at this moment in her life, like I think Rosario Dawson is just nailing that personality aspect and uh, not to rehash everything we talked about at the beginning, but just, we're going to see that growth and that change. In the I hope so. I think so. We're already seeing it. I think it was pretty yeah, sure. in this episode. You know, and listen, I'm going to say it right now, if I, if we don't get, if, if, if I think again, my opinion, because what I think is a great progression could be different. What, you know, Tim thinks or vice versa or what, or whoever is listening to this. If, but I will, t- and you guys know, I'm not, I'm not shy to give my opinion. If, if I'm wrong, I will say like, I did not think, you know, I, I will, I will say, I don't think it's so good to develop much. And that could happen still. That being said, I 
I don't know if it's going to deter me completely either because I just love the character. And I think Rosario Dawson's done a great job. So we'll see what happens. But so far I've, I've had no complaints of the character. So uh, we get the ship gets, you know, fixed up. Um, they bolt out. They're still being chased. And this is probably the moment, Tim, where they're flying through this amazing, again, I forget the name of the planet. Maybe you can look it up while I'm talking here because yeah. I'm just going to have a few <laughs> minutes here. Yeah, go ahead and get this. Yeah, make, make us look less stupid, please. Especially me. <laughs> uh, uh, too late for well, that. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Oh, I'm screwed more than you. But uh, anyway, but they're flying down the ship. They're getting chased and they need a break, right? Like, okay, we've got one break, but now we need another one. And they start seeing their scopes of other ships. You know, are those more ships? And he goes, no, something else. And the purgles show up out of the clouds. And I'm going to tell you right now, I we've said from, at least I've said, and I've said from the beginning since, you know, on the live stream last week to this week right now, that this does not look cheap and it looks cinematic in a lot of, in most of the aspects of this show. Um, wait, it looks the best, maybe even parts of the Mandalorian. I still can't believe it looks better than Obi-Wan. It just baffles my mind how that, how that works. But regardless, um, Tim, right after we get the, we get the dog fight, which looks cinematic and awesome and amazing. We get the purgle show up and when they're flying through the purgle and the purgle basically allowing them to escape and elude the, their fighters and their sensors. And they're, we're navigating through that with the purgle. You know, again, I'm not trying to brag here. I'm watching this on my 85 inch screen. Okay. And it's, you know, it's pretty decent size. Okay. And it looks great. You know, yeah, not Dolby Vision, but you know, it looks fantastic in, in, in a 4K strong stream as much as I can get. And I'm watching this thing. And after I look, I get a cinematic looking, visually, you know, accurate or whatever you want to say, you know, you know, feels like it's, it looks it would be in the movie and on a big screen i get this it looks incredible like i'm and and, and not yeah. just it looks incredible but we're, we talked about the whole feeling of star wars i can't tell you having a ship designed as it is with ahsoka tano piling in it through space monsters floating in the air and them navigating to elude other spaceships as they go through the air or whatever, like in the, whatever, like throughout the planet. I'm like, this is so star Wars that I'm like about to explode right now. Like it <laughs> visually looks stunning. It looked like it was, I it looked like it could be on a big screen and it would, it would look incredible on a big screen. And I say that because it just looked, the detail was, I was blown away. I got to tell you, they spared no expense. And if this episode was short and condensed because they wanted to, you know, they're saving their money to, to put towards the special effects and have that happen. Because you're not just giving them a, a way to elude. You're developing the story and setting up things for the future too. This yep. is where <laughs> Dave Filoni's genius is at. And I bring, I brought all that back to what I said earlier about Rebels that Dave Filoni doesn't waste and he, he doesn't depend on these things, but he puts things in place so they can use them later if he needs them. And right now the purgle are the, the absolute biggest example of that amongst a lot of different things, which I think we're, we're getting to. This is where I love the mainstream superhero storytelling of comic books of, you know, of like DC and Marvel Tim, because of so many different things like this. And this is not, you know, only, you know, 
to comic books, but just long form storytelling of any kind that Star Wars belongs a part of, where it be episodic, you know, Flash Gordon, uh, the serial, you know, pulp stories from the, you know, whatever that, that George grew up reading um to you know to any of those you know those pulp novels that you know were super cheap you know tarzan was like a million you know burrows stuff what you know what i'm saying right like everything it gets brought back can be brought back and used later that maybe wasn't originally attended to or you thought you could maybe use at some point that that's not again that green lantern sinestro at the very end where it's never going to be you know it's just wasted and (laughs) sadly yeah but the but the purgle are a great example of you use that and now they are just so critical and yeah. <laughs> now, but not only that, you, you, you introduce them to the story that makes sense to what's going to be set up in the future, but also help you in the, in the moment for a very exciting moment for you to, to put on the screen to have, you know, to engage you with, but also the fact that like, you're, you know, they're going to be talked about and they, they're there for an effing reason. Like, it's just like, Oh my God. God, like it's like it's i couldn't tell you how as i as when it episode ended i was just taking my head like dave only did it he's doing it he's putting out maybe some of the best star wars ever man like this is uh i'll let you talk here in a second tim but i just gotta tell you the purgle thing is maybe so far the most star wars thing i've seen post disney i'm just gonna say it like i it, i just I'm trying to think what what makes me feel embodies Star Wars without trying to trope on like you know Force Awakens you know trying to like emulate exactly I'm not I'm not trying to trash on anything but even Mandalorian parts and different things like that to me that scene of them flying through the Purgles with these giant space monsters through the air with other ships flying you know flying after them and how amazing they looked and how real they looked. On my huge screen, I'm like, this is 1,000% Star Wars. Get it in an IV, put it in my bloodstream, and inject it 24-7 because this is exactly what I want out of Star Wars. Yeah, and also, um, Cetos is the name of the planet. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, thank you. So let's hopefully we won't forget it this time. But uh, I'll forget, but that's a fine. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I just got to echo everything you said there. At first... I didn't think we were going to get it in this episode because we already got a great like space combat, uh, aerial combat sequence. And that was, I would have been satisfied with that, but you ended with this sequence. It's like, it's up there because it's one of those things, like you were saying in star Wars movies, you expect something new and something different that a previous movie hasn't done before. This is what it felt like something like a new star Wars movie would have that we haven't seen before an epic like spaceship chase amongst these monsters and creatures um as they're trying to as our heroes are trying to make their escape and elude the villains it was just awesome to get that and like you said to have it be the purgle too because again going back to the trailer we knew we were going to see them but uh we didn't know what context this sequence was going to take place in and it just flowed so beautifully as far as them ahsoka and sabine using the purgle to make their escape away from Shin and Morak. It was just made for an exciting sequence too. And because like you said, it just looked fantastic. It felt very cinematic. Um if you're watching it, you couldn't tell if you're watching a movie or a TV show. And yeah, it just looked so, so good and just made for a really thrilling uh chase sequence that you would expect in a Star Wars action sequence on a big scale. And it was just awesome. And to know that 
as you said, this is probably not going to be the last we're going to see of the Purgle. We're going to, because even though this is pretty much our first real good glimpse of them in live action, I know we got the tease in the Mandalorian season premiere, which was a perfect tease too, just seeing Grogu, seeing the silhouettes of the Purgle out in hyperspace, just kind of great foreshadowing for what's to come. And still, even here, we didn't get like a full blown like look at a, fu- a Purgle in all its glory. We're just getting glimpses here and there of its face, of its like tentacles, of its different parts of its body. Um, so I think we're still going to get that moment where we just see the Purgle not hide by any mist or clouds or anything like that, but out in space, um, just showing them all in their glory as they're about to make a jump to hyperspace. So it's just kind of more uh, revealing of the Purgle now before we see them kind of in all their glory <laughs> as either they take our heroes to that other galaxy or they bring Thrawn and Ezra back from the other galaxy. We shall see. I hope it's the former word that takes everyone here into that other galaxy because I cannot wait to see what that other galaxy is like. Um, but yeah, just having the Purgle here in this moment was great. And then just Sabine mentioning how um, like the last time she saw the Purgle was when Ezra disappeared, just making just everything feeling connected and just flowing as it should as far as the, the sequence of the events that we know already happened in Star Wars Rebels. So it just all flowed so seamlessly, just made for a great action sequence and just giving those who are unfamiliar with the Purgle just a great look at what these creatures are like. And I think people who aren't familiar with them from Rebels are just going to be even more taken and blown away by them once they see that what the Purgle can do as far as hyperspace travel and all that. But um, for those of us who are familiar with them, it was just a great way to get exposed to them in live action here uh, as being part of this awesome escape sequence in some really cool spaceships. So yeah, this was just really cool way to top off what was already great action sequence out in space. But now we get maybe an even better sequence here on the planet Cetos with the Purgle and Ahsoka and Sabine trying to evade Shin and Morag. It was just fantastic all the way around. Yeah, and the the really cool thing about this is that, th- again, they, they start kind of explaining a little more of the Purgle right there and showing how important they are for this whole trip to the other galaxy, which I thought, oh, man, there's so much I want to ask you right now, Tim. I might even ask you this off screen or off screen, off uh, <laughs> off recording, because there's it's a lot to get into when I ask this. But really quickly, without going too crazy, we got to wrap up here in a little bit. But I want to ask you, do you think this other galaxy w- was like the unknown regions at first? Um, no, I when they said another galaxy, I knew it was something totally different and something just beyond what we know about the Star Wars galaxy so far. So it's like even stuff beyond the unknown region. So that, that's what has me super excited about it to see what it actually is and what it's like in there. So here's my next question. So because in 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 the legends, are the Yuzong Vong are they a part of different galaxy as well? I may be wrong because I've only read one of the books i've never <laughs> read any of the books a while ago. ever yeah so, but i remember talking to certain people back then about it how yeah they were from a different galaxy and that's why no one they were kind of a shock and surprise to every everyone once they kind of invaded um the the main star wars galaxy so um that's why i said in our last episode like who knows if this is their way to bring in the Yuzon vong or something like them just that's what i just want something totally different in this galaxy just to i do not want to use on vong do not want that crap i've i've always been someone who liked the concept of the use on vong maybe the stories weren't as great as they could have been but just the idea of this totally different species who's you know 
they're connected to the force and the force doesn't really have an effect on them and they're just like the ships are all organic and living things almost i just find a lot of their ideas fascinating that's something unique and different that i felt the next progression of a threat for the star wars galaxy would be so i always like their concept of the yuzon bong and this if that could be incorporated into the main canon and maybe a better way than what the legend stories did we'll see but um i just that idea of what that galaxy can hold and just this unknown stuff I, I said this on our last episode too but that's what i'm excited about this series day filoni bringing something new and different that we never thought about with star wars before because he's done it before and i think that when we get to that new galaxy he's going to do it again and just stuff that just kind of blows our mind and just like kind of throws us for a loop but at the same time makes total sense and works on a story level as far as fitting in what we already know and love about star wars so i just yeah. there's so much potential within this other galaxy that i just cannot wait there to is. see it explored so i it kind of i'm not like torn i'm just very i'm not sure what to think about it yet i'm intrigued and i can't wait to know but as far as the the impacts of it storytelling wise afterwards i'm very curious what they're trying to do with it because i don't know how i feel about this discovery of a new galaxy because it feels like there's so many planets that we they'll keep creating in star wars as we go on in its original galaxy quote unquote uh -huh. it's like where is it there's got to be like a if we're going to introduce a whole new place that they'll be able to go to which at this point now they're introducing it let's be real they're gonna, it's going to be a way to for them to go on the reg like it's hop a pergola and head on back to the, to the other galaxy hey guys like you know that's what's going to end up happening at this point it's, i don't it's, know i could I see it where some obviously it is obviously it is now being a really hard place to get to and maybe they'll try to keep it that way because almost like the world between worlds where like they don't want to keep going and dive it into that well so they made it really hard to access that and the only place that we know of to where it could be accessed is gone now so um i don't know if they'll once they introduce that new galaxy it's going to be curious to see like if it's going to be set up for, for potential future stories and like the new jedi order movie oh yeah or if they're going to kind of close it off for this one thing but i hope they don't close it off because well I, okay. well I guess it kind of depends on what's in there really to be for yeah yeah, really well, feel one way or the other. I'm gonna well, we already know right now they're setting up there's there is a force element there because yeah. you know, with with Balin saying, you know, well, yeah, we've kind of it's kind of like a fairy tale, like you know, it's children's stories for Peridia, like there's a travel lane, like so. There's so George again, Jay Filoni brilliantly setting you up with like this is already this has already existed and people have traveled there and built things. And like, what does that mean? Like, like for instance, like let's say maybe this just popped in my head right now. It's I didn't think about it until till now. But what if the Night Sisters are from that other dimension or dimension? Sorry, mm. other uh, galaxy. galaxy yeah. And what if like they are just like you know just a little bit they have are just people from that other galaxy that are you know that's why Morgan is like feeling it from that other side. You know where she has Thrawn's calling to me because mm. maybe that's where her people are from you know i mean i i have i'm probably wrong but just you get what i'm saying though yeah. like there's there's elements there that you could build off of i hope it's something like that in in a sense because there has to be like a threat over there because here's my here's my kind of prediction and i think this is if i'm only assuming but i've kind of talked with you guys on the text message group we have that i think that what they're doing with this with this whole new galaxy is they're going to take everyone 
that we know of this Filoniverse, if you will. That means like Mando, which they're he- whatever they're heading towards with this grand movie, it's going to be in this new galaxy. And whatever is going to take place by the time they're all resolved, the sequel trilogy will already be thick of it. And that's why you can explain no one's there mm-hmm. at that time. Cause they're in their whole, they're literally in their own universe, hmm. you know? And, but with that said though, I do think by doing that, eventually when they do come back or whatever the resolve is, cause we don't know how long it's going to be right now. No, you can no. do, now you can use Ray Skywalker to build off with them. Like I, I brought up that before that whole, that whole Avengers thing that whole like bringing that the movie to get like bringing all them together that'll be a monumental moment because now you could do a whole new story after you know dave's done with this whole and john are done with this whole mando thing and now that ray will have the new jedi order films eventually maybe that is the where you have grogu sabine ahsoka and ray now you know 20 years later maybe Ahsoka's more of a mentor kind of like this kind of old, you know, old wise sage. Whereas like now Sabine and Ray are like, Oh, whoever's <laughs> yeah. You, you get what I'm saying though. Like in Grogu now is like the new Ray. It's a being character where like he will have to be set up. Cause I still think you have to have Grogu be a Jedi. It's just, it's, you have to, um, I still think so, he's going to be old enough though to really do much. <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't know the growth spurts of his species. That is so true. He, they could like he, he major just, growth spurt at age 80 or something like that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I've, I've gone on record saying I predict there'll be, it'll be abrupt. It'll be like one minute we see him as an, a baby and the next time he'll be like Yoda size mm-hmm. and it'll be like, what happened? And it'll be like, Rah. like he'll still be a child in his head in some ways, but like he'll be fully, he'll be a more fully grown like version of his species. And let's also throw this out here. Maybe we'll see Yoda's species in this other other uh, universe. That would be something. But I I know Dave's always been on the the camp as far as not wanting to explore Yoda's. Bro, you know my argument history. against. You know my argument. You know it. And you, I said, I, I, I'm with you too. I would love to find that stuff out, but I don't Bro, think Dave's going to be the one to give it to us, though. But you know what? <laughs> What if Dave's pulling one of those little little tricks of like, well, yeah, we're never gonna see it, and then he's totally gonna show us. Have you been saying this for years though? Like, this is one of the things where I think he really is sincere about it. We'll see, we'll see. You're probably right, but I think there's a, I think there's a good chance he could he could be pulling because he was also against you know having Grogu at all. Now look at it. So I think he's, I think he might see the value of, of maybe exploring that. And plus, like I've said before. Let's get the origin of this before George is gone. George is getting up yeah. there. Let's have him sit. Let's have him and Dave be the ones that tell us what the species is and what their deal yes. is. Because I'd rather hear it from them than somebody else. I 100% agree. Yes. So anyway, I so this is all great stuff. Again, another whole four week episode of like, you know, full week episode of just doing this, this whole prediction of what this other galaxy is. Because I do worry that when you introduce this galaxy, they'll just keep like whenever they need to reboot, like, well, let's just do another galaxy. Hey, new galaxy. You know, I, like, I don't want that to happen. So I really worry about that a little bit. It's a little bit like not like anytime soon, but like, yeah, that's, I think that's like way, way down the line to start getting worried about 
tapping into that well too many times. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So anyway, last thing we'll, we'll uh, before I have you in your last thoughts, I, I did say I want to talk about henchmen just for a brief second. I want to also say, for the record, uh, how refreshing it is to have henchmen that aren't stormtrooper related. Yes. <laughs> I, like, this might be the first live action series where there's no stormtroopers. And it feels so good. I just feel like, like the, those HK assassin droids look fantastic. They look mm -hmm. awesome. They're perfect fodder droids. And these other henchmen they introduced in like the space, you know, that looked like the, um, as Morgan, like whatever the oh, yeah. you guys yeah. were like those okay. aliens, like having those guys be the henchmen, like that all feels perfect for me. And I love that. Like, give me more unique looking different henchmen, hench droids, whatever you want to do. Like we don't need, we don't need, stormtroopers anymore it's played out we've had many yes. eras of stormtroopers it's time the being first incompetent order. so yeah I was like, yeah <laughs> let's leave let's leave the stormtroopers and the troopers alone for maybe for 50 years until we're almost dead tim and we'll be good because like clone troopers feel, on the other hand though let's get some you know you know what i mean you know what <laughs> I, I mean know. like just like the, just, we're, we're done with troopers we're done I, I i just it's refreshing to see like different henchmen be like a part of the series so anyway uh so if you haven't noticed already we've loved this episode this this series is, is keeps getting better and better i i listen I, maybe i'm biased i think the series has been incredible and i've i've it is maybe rejuvenating me more than any star wars thing since post disney since maybe a long time it's been a long time um this is really getting my juices flowing and it's what's crazy, man, is like if there's no like Skywalker involved and it really shows you the future of Star Wars is not. And yes, again, I'm not so. saying it's a bad thing. <laughs> I, I still want Ray Skywalker to have. I think there's great stories to be told with her still. And I think they will be. And I think she'll be an important character in Star Wars going forward at some point. But it just shows you now. And I thought we I talked about this years ago when, when we got Rise of Skywalker. I said the Mandalorian will be that first thing we get where it's like not Star, not Skywalker related. And it, it's kind of weird. But now it's like. Oh yeah, we've we've gotten so much. It's like whatever, you know. Like it's just, this is like premier Star Wars with Soka. So, yeah, it's Star Wars is we're, we've we've I've said before we've entered the golden age of Star Wars storytelling. I feel we're we're in it right now. We're just starting to hit the tip of the iceberg, and we're getting like the formative Star Wars going forward. That's going to inform I think the entire franchise going forward and how you tell stories for Star Wars. So, and I think it's I think once it goes returns into movies, Tim, it's going to go even further because. We, they have the blueprints of what works, what doesn't work on all these different levels and how, and also, honestly, these, these episodes have shown me if you would make this into, if you would put this on a big screen, like where you could watch it just on Disney plus on a big screen for a weekend, uh, this would make some money and then people would come flocking towards it every week, whatever, because I would kill to see those purgle on a big screen. Right. Hill. <laughs> so Anyway, any, any final thoughts before we uh, start wrapping up here? Well, I, I got to mention, too, we, we didn't talk about the other big sequence that we got in this episode with Hera and the... Oh, my family. God. I can't... <laughs> I, 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 it's just, thank you for... Thank you. Continue. I've got, I've, I couldn't believe... It. I, we'll talk about that. I'll, I'll have my own thing to say about that, but please continue. No, yeah, because that was well, just another great aspect of the episode. Just, again, diving more into the state of the galaxy when it comes to the New Republic and the like Imperial loyalists and how the new republic views that and just again just paving the way more for how fragile and the new republic was and uh, which eventually led to the destruction as we saw in the force awakens and then i know the other 
main character that we saw there um, was uh, Kaz's father. I believe his name was Hamato um, from uh, Star Wars Resistance, um, who we knew got killed on Hosni and Prime when the First Order destroyed uh, the New Republic there. But to see just kind of how um, just against or trying to make it like the Empire, the Empire or Grand Admiral Thrawn are just done with. There's nothing to worry about. And how this how he thinks Hera is just trying to use New Republic resources to find Ezra. I mean, just he immediately came off as an unlikable senator. <laughs> I mean, uh, right away. And I just love the dialogue that Hera had with him too. Just, uh, just don't like. Have you ever, did you fight in the war? Oh, so you're just waiting to see who came out on top, and that's who you're going to side with. Just, I love just seeing just that, like almost like that no nonsense, ruthless attitude that Hera has shown in Rebels is carry on in here when it comes to this type of stuff. Um, with the, Now we're just seeing it with the New Republic. So all that stuff was great. And then we get to see Jason Solo, or <laughs> Jason Solo, here I go already, Jason Sindula, um, already making an appearance here. And everyone who was concerned of the big black-haired Lego controversy figure of Jason not having that green hair, you can all relax now. He had green hair, so... <laughs> travesty averted thank goodness <laughs> but uh, it was just kind of cool to get him introduced uh, so early on in the series i wasn't sure when we we're gonna see him but the fact that he was shown here was just really cool and just already showing that willingness we got all that great dialogue stuff with ahsoka and sabine about being a jedi and what it takes and then we see just a young kid um who probably does have the potential to be a jedi with uh, jason sandula here just showing that excitement and knowing that i like how i believe he said he called her aunt sabine which was a nice touch <laughs> so once he heard that she was being trained as a jedi and just that excitement he had knowing um that kanan was his father just really cool so just a lot of great stuff in that sequence too um that just made this episode even better so just another layer to what makes this a great episode i love this stuff yeah I just, I can't believe I almost forgot this. This is embarrassing. <laughs> uh, I'm really glad that you reminded me because I'd be remiss to, to mention that because I even posted about it on Twitter, for God's sakes. Um, I initially had, I initially had reservations about both Sabine and Hera. And as far as, as I watched the show, and I, I thought that, I, I love Elizabeth Weinstead. Like she's an amazing actress. Like I love her in Scott Pilgrim. I've loved her. I loved her in Birds of Prey. Um, mm -hmm. She's in tons of stuff, but she's a great actress. I mean, I also think she's beautiful and I have a huge crush on her. And God damn you, Ewan McGregor. Um, <laughs> and but uh, and she's great in Fargo, where they actually really met. Um, she's a great actress. She's just a flat out great actress. And when they cast her, I'm like, this is great. She just didn't look right. It's just, and I, I said this on the on the stream last week, but. Um, I was like, I know she's going to nail the characterization, but there's something about the way she looks. It just bothers me. It's just, it's something I can't put in. And my friend, uh, my neighbor who was watching, she goes, it's the eyes. I went, yeah, it's the eyes. The eyes are too small. Cause you know, cause it's just like Hera's eyes are so big in the show. It's like, it's, it's, it's a weird like uh, adaptation. Now that being said, the first episode was a little, it took a while to get used to her like being on screen and, and Elizabeth's kind of different, you know, different, a little bit different than Sarah Marshall, obviously. Um, that being said, Vanessa Marshall. but uh, yeah, sorry, sorry, Vanessa Marshall. My apologies. That's a movie, Vanessa Marshall. Sorry, Vanessa. Um, but when we got to episode two, I thought I I kind of bought in more, and I you saw Elizabeth really her basically it was her interaction with Chopper that made me go, yeah, this is Hera. 
1000 percent this is hera and it wasn't just calling her calling him chop it was what how she was talking to him like no i didn't know i didn't touch this so i don't know where it is like it was just the way she was talking with chopper like that it was hilarious i was like this is hera now i'm and, and after rewatching it that's helped improve those scenes that she's in again right so now i'm like i'm on board when i get to this scene and she's like she goes full on Hera on that senator. I was like, oh, oh no, this is Hera. Like, this is 1000% <laughs> like nails the character. And Elizabeth gives us a performance that like pretty damn good. I was like, damn, like she, she brought her a game there. Like, again, just further proving she's a great actress. And like, I'm any reservations I had about her as Hera out the window. Like I have zero problems with her, not even problems. I just it just took. There's no getting used to. Like I'm one thousand behind, a thousand percent behind Hera now. Like in the show, like I love it. I love it. And that scene cemented it for me. I it's like I didn't need it, but it made me go. Any any hint of it being there is evaporated now. Uh, so that whole monologue or this whole scene when she's coming going off how emotional she gets i'm like that's that's my girl so yeah i i love 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 this scene yeah it just again just fit perfectly for what we were getting in the other stuff of the episode obviously different circumstances is the more polit politics side of the galaxy but again it's still you're still hearing the how everyone's reacting to the possibility of Thrawn's return and then Hera remembering all that she's been through with her battle against Thrawn as we saw in Rebels. So just a lot of different layers that kind of made that sequence is really great and then just sets the stage up for, you know, not surprisingly that the New Republic didn't agree to help Ahsoka and Sabine um, with this mission. So that wasn't a huge shock. But again, it was just kind of great to see that dynamic going back and forth between um those who've kind of been in the war, been through it all, and wants to prevent another one from happening, as Harris said there, and then just from the political side of things, as far as it not being easy <laughs> to deal with this. So, yeah, yeah, really cool stuff. Well, and and I just want to also too really quickly, I I've definitely come around more to Sabine as well. I thought she was probably the weakest of the whole cast when I watched it. It just, really, I, yeah, I thought the opposite. <laughs> I, really, yeah, I you know it just I didn't really click for me. It just felt. I don't know. There's just, I, I've still, she's not my favorite, like of the, of the group per se, but that being said, I've, I'm warming more to her and I'm, I'm not, I don't think she's bad. It just, some of the, some of the stuff that they have her doing in the show, maybe it just doesn't play to her strengths. Maybe. I don't know. Like it just, it just doesn't, didn't always like click for me 100%. But I, I've, again, I've rewatched it a bunch and I like her, her interpretation as Sabine. It just, it doesn't always work for me initially. Um, it takes a little more getting used to. I'm not sure why, but that being said, I, I definitely have warmed up more to her. And I think by this third episode, I think it was her best performance overall as the character um, compared to the other two. And maybe it's because the character herself is developing and that's why I'm seeing it. That's, and that's, she's doing her job as an actor, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I want to make, make that clear as well. Uh, I, I don't, I still think she's the weakest in my opinion. If I, if I had to rank them as like performance wise, I think she's one, she's kind of down there, but I also could say too, that like the other people are really good. Like they're all really good. You know, I mean, they're delivering great performances. Everyone is. So maybe that's, I'm being too harsh, but yeah, I, it's, it's been a little more getting used to for Sabine, but I've, I've liked, I've liked her, not disliked her. 
Um, but yeah, I, I think it took me a while for a little bit for Hera, but yeah, I'm 100% all in on Hera. Why it says performance chef's kiss. Great. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to like how much she's going to be involved in the next few episodes. If we're going to really focus on now that they're on the planet, Cito's, I, I didn't forget this time. <laughs> and then just kind of focus dealing with getting to the galaxy and Thrawn and Ezra and how much Hera and the new Republic is going to play a factor in that. I'm sure we're going to see her again before the series is over, but I wonder if like the next two or not if we're going to see more of that side of it. But if not, yeah. um, it, it ended on a great note <laughs> with Harry's character there. So, No, for sure. So uh, before we wrap up here, are, do we have any responses about how what the people, what the people, the Star Warriors out there <laughs> thought about this, uh, this uh, episode? Yeah, so we got some responses on Twitter. Uh, first up, we got one from Audrey who says, had a smile the entire time, felt like Rebels Clone Wars episode. I love True. this episode. I go way more into lore and you see things you don't normally see. Yeah, which is definitely what yep. this episode delivered. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Travin Dunn says um, he loved it. And then Caleb Chindins is saying that spacesuit with the hard eye emojis. So <laughs> yeah, that, that spacesuit did look great. And then uh, Rural Farm Board just had a gift that he sent of two characters. I believe it's from the show Supernaturals, but it just says, holy crap, are you seeing this? Which With their mouths wide open, which I imagine was the reaction for a lot of Star Wars fans over the course of this episode. And then Jesse says, I mean, if you love Ahsoka, Sabine, Space Battles, Purgle, and Padawan Jedi training, how can you not love this episode? The working in of prequel era ship and equipment design just made it even cooler. The show is amazingly fun. And then Berksba says, amazing space sequences. Lightspeed looks perfect. After the voice, very curious who um, Morak is. But my thought is that he slash she is not going to be a shock value cameo rather an Inquisitor who's looking for purpose. Holy cow, those Purgos look cinematic. Love your show. Well, thanks, Perks. I always appreciate that. And Aww. just, yeah, glad to see everyone really digging this episode because there was just so much to love about it <laughs> for what we got um, from Jedi training sequences, space battles, Purgle. Just, I mean, what's not to love about this one, honestly? <laughs> There's just so much great stuff packed into this 37 minutes. Yeah, th- this was a very compact episode that I'd never felt cheated once or felt like we were mm-hmm. rushing through things. It was, again, what I said earlier, well, well paced. So, yeah, um, we'll, I think you and Kyle will be back next week. I'll be on the Star Wars Newsnet side because if we're doing every week, I, I can't do that. I've got other commitments. But but that being said, maybe I can convince you guys to record a different day. I mean, we can do, I could, you know, I could do, you know, <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what I can do. I know my wife won't like that, but eh, whatever. <laughs> Who needs wives? Um, so uh, still understand that. Um, no, but you guys will definitely be back next week, and uh, we'll talk about. I know Kyle's extremely ecstatic about next week's episode. I'm not sure if he knows something I don't, but I'm just yeah. He's yeah. Well, I, I will say this. Um, I'm glad you'll probably be with us then for episode five because that is Dave Filoni's next. Uh, episode he's directing i've heard that we're probably getting someone showing up that time yeah so (laughs) that one i could not avoid which i let's be real i'm I'm not going to spoil it for anyone else but let's be real it was already revealed by rosario dawson like forever ago and (laughs) And, i'm like trades and all that stuff yeah yeah and not only that like do we really think it wasn't going to happen yeah i mean we've made those we never really try to keep it a secret on this show either (laughs) we've mentioned it a bunch of times well, but we're excited about this series i so. know but listen like i'll be honest i could have i could go the whole series without seeing it and be happy 
I mean, for what we got so far, yeah. I mean, it's not like yeah. it needs that, but it's just exactly. gonna be exactly. It's just gonna be like the cherry on top, so to speak, where it's yeah, gonna make it that yeah. much more special. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, um, yeah. So let's wrap up here. Go follow us on Twitter. Um, you know, on again, I always forget what our handles called. Can you do all that stuff for me? I'm terrible. Yeah. At stuff. <laughs> so you could follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Check out our website at StarWarsTSC.com, where all our episodes are at. Um, you can check us out on our Facebook page, Facebook slash Star Wars The Saga Continues, and you can send us emails at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com if you want to s- send us more longer thoughts that you may have on the series or a particular episode that um, is longer than the character limit on Twitter. So uh, if you want to share more stuff with us, you can always send us some long-winded emails on there and we'll be happy to read them on the show. So yeah, thanks for everyone who chimed in and shared your thoughts on episode three, Time to Fly. It's always appreciated. So and again, glad you all seem to enjoy it just as much as we did, which is always a fun thing. <laughs> right on, man. Well, listen, well, again, it's a little awkward because it's usually Kyle's one leading this thing here. So you know what? I'm just going to... Uh, We'll see. We'll have next week to go chew on. So until then, may the force be with you. Have y'all. Hope you have a good next week for Ahsoka. I'll see you guys all personally in a couple weeks. See you next time, everybody. Godspeed, you mother effing rebels. <laughs>